Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We have the whole usual crew here with me again. I screwed that up. I'm going to start over. Blah, blah, blah. I need a beer. Me too. Same. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We have the usual crew here with me once again. I'm your host, Brian Vitali. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. Hello. Hi. Adam Vitali. Hello. Chowman Wu. Hi. And James Galizio. Hey, folks. It is our first recording for the TetraCast in November. We're very, very quickly approaching the end of the year. We have a couple of pretty high releases to talk about this week. One in particular that we're going to be spending most of the episode on. And if you've been following our socials or our site at all, you probably know. Or if you've just been following the game at all, that's going to be the remaster remake of Star Ocean 2, Star Ocean the Second Story, Star Ocean the Second Story R. So uh, a game that a lot of us have kind of played either in its original incarnation way back in the 90s. Was it in the 90s when it was released? Or the PSP version yeah. that came out in like 2010-ish, 2008. I don't know. I'm not going to pull up Wikipedia. I, but... I bought it in a pawn shop <laughs> around like 1999, I think. I'm imagining like I'm imagining like a little 10, 11, 12, I don't know, hold your child <laughs> walking around a pond. Okay, so the backstory of that was, I, I read it in a magazine, like a game magazine of some sort. It says this is like the hypest RPG of, it's like, or something that you you completely missing out because you're too busy obsessed with Final Fantasy VII or some shit like that. And then I go to the pawn shop, bought it, and I played it, and I kind of hated it because I have no idea of all these, all these like systems. They're all like flying over my head, okay? So that's kind of like my first experience as like a very young kid. But that's that's well, pretty normal actually for like early triace games, and you're playing them younger. Like I, my first playthrough of the game on PS One was like I hardly dabbled with a lot of its systems because I was like, I don't fucking know, man. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, I, I first played the uh, version of the game with the PSP where I was not a child and it still was kind of over my head. I'm like, ah, item creation. What is this? Um, so remind me, maybe Adam knows like the original version was published and developed by Triace. Then the PSP version was developed by Triace published by square Enix or was square involved even with the original release. Well, it's just Enix at that point, right? Oh, okay. And then, of course, this remake, uh, you know, it, it still credits Triace as obviously the original developers of the game, but it's actually developed by Gem Drops, um, published by Square Enix, of course. So, interestingly, as when the game was announced earlier this year, we talked about it was, you know, they went back with the original subtitle of the second story versus what is it, second evolution. Uh, but we've been covering this game pretty thoroughly on our site over the last week as it released just a couple of days ago at the time of recording. Uh, Adam and Chow have been working their butts off to kind of figure out exactly how this game is new and different from the original games, what it keeps the same. Uh, though we also have a review up on the site from Quentin covering the game as well, and he thought, or they thought very highly of it. Um, I am not sure, Adam, uh, did Quentin, you, you edited Quentin's review, did he play the original release, or was this his first yeah, time with... No, he, um, he's Josh? definitely revisiting, for sure. Gotcha. 
So that's a, and that's obviously just as valid a perspective as someone who's fresh and new to the to the game. Uh, but we'll open up starting with Star Ocean, um, the second story R, and I will hand it off to Adam or Chow. You guys can fight over it to start out. But I do know I, I know that J, uh, Josh and I have started playing the remake. We've both we've also played some prior version of the game. Adam and Chow have played the new version pretty extensively. James is the only wild card. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> where he's coming from. He can chime in whenever he feels like. But we'll go ahead and, and focus the opening of our podcast on Star Ocean, the second story R. Take it away, Adam or Chow, whoever speaks up first. Yo. Okay, so Star Ocean, okay. the second story R. <laughs> um, the, the way I describe it in a sentence is it feels like Star Ocean 2 on steroids. Just yeah, like... I, I get the same idea. It, so it's got all the same... So like they 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 I actually don't know off the top of my head if what Square Enix calls this like a remake or a remaster. So it is clearly based off the PSP version in that like the dialogue is the same as the PSP version. Um, you know the structure of the game is generally the same. You know where the private actions are. You know the dungeons and like which the order you do things. It's not like a ground up remake like Final Fantasy VII or or what have you. But, like, so many things have been changed uh, in terms of mechanics. Basically, every single location is now in 3D, and that's a huge change. The layouts are different. Um, so it it is sort of that remakester uh, category where it's, like, not quite from the ground up, but it's almost rec- unrecognizable from earlier versions. Like, the story is the same. The dialogue is the same. But I think the, the, the key Kinda thing... Kind of like that Xenoblade definitive realm actually it's even more so than that because xenoblade definitive edition was mostly just a new art style and everything else was the same that's a good point like the locations the questing the dialogue everything where this is you know even the locations like for example if you were to follow if you were to try to follow like a psp version guide on this game it wouldn't work because layouts are different like the town the buildings are in different spots you know they're they're they're, everything's in 3d now so it's it's kind of recreated remade in that sense even if dialogues and everything like that are literally the same script um but anyways the key thing to point out here is quality of life there are so many things that this re-release has added that um, just make the game a smoother experience, more useful, or not useful. Like, uh, so for example, you can fast travel practically anywhere. And this is actually pretty key. Um, and when I say anywhere, I really do mean practically anywhere. Any save point in the game, you can pretty much fast travel to, whether that's in a town, at the start of a dungeon, at the end of a dungeon. And you can, on, I play on PC, apparently it's also the same on PS5. Fast travel is extremely quick. So you can go from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the Salva Mine in a second. And the original games have a fair bit of backtracking where you go to the end of a dungeon and you need to walk your way out. And also in the original games, they have random encounters that I think there were some mechanics that you could like lessen them, but you couldn't get rid of them entirely, I believe. So you had to deal with that. Now you, there's no longer any random encounters. There are now icons on the field or on the map you know, that you run into to initiate a battle. And there's other systems in place to, you know, lessen that or increase that if you want. So my point is, is the game is a lot smoother. It's a lot quicker because you don't need to backtrack. You don't need to deal with random encounters. 
Um, besides things like that, there's a bunch of UI improvements, especially with item creation, which we'll talk about item creation later, I'm sure that, how do I put this? Um, there's a tutorial to make it much more yes, streamlined. Yes. Uh, in the original games, there's a, basically just like an item creation menu and there's like tiny little like one sentence, maybe two sentence little tips. Like you can create, you know, you can create weapons yes. using this and it's like, go for it. And that's about it. Where now it gives you like a better menu in terms of like here you can create four different things if you use an iron or a or a silver or a gold. It tells you like there's a the possible items you can create, like the number of them. It gives you a quick tutorial on each item creation menu. And let me just kind of step aside a second. Item creation is, I think, one of the emblematic components of Star Ocean, like one of its most unique design components. It's what sets Star Ocean apart from other JRPGs. Uh, they don't, there's not many that have this sort of really kind of dense, robust system in play that involves lots of different items and components and item creation, not just for weapons, but for various other bonuses, for your stats, for your skill systems, um, for SP and BP and all these things. And this is also the avenue to breaking the game wide open, which I'm sure we'll talk about later too. But yeah, back the thing I was going to ask was like generically, so most of us, all of us are pretty much approaching this game familiar with it, or at least familiar with the series. But if, if I'm someone who's younger, who didn't play either the PSP version or the original version, and I see, oh, there's this, there's this remake that came out. This is a hard question for us to answer because it requires us to put ourselves in another set of shoes. But like, why should I care about this remake? Like Star Ocean, the second story are um, like, what sets it apart? What's emblematic about the series? Maybe I played Divine Force uh, and didn't gel with it or I didn't, but I'm interested in this. Um, like, how, how, how do we bin Star Ocean amongst its contemporaries? It's a hard question to answer. I, so I think Star Ocean for me has always been more about like its mechanics and kind of layered systems more so than just, you know, a JRPG adventure, which it is that. But it's, you know, I honestly think if you talk about like things like character writing or like narrative, Star Ocean is fine. It's not great. I don't think it's, I that's not the way, that's find the weakest parts of, of Star Ocean series. Yeah, it's not necessarily the main reason you're coming here. Like, I don't think it's awful. I just don't think it's the high point. I think the high point is all these goofy mechanical things that how these games are designed. Um, another kind of unique component to Star Ocean. Um, there are 13 total characters in the game, but you can only choose a party of eight. So there's always this sort of um, not a lot of not a lot of RPGs do that, where it's like you have to choose your party out of a larger pool. I know you have like saga games and things like that, but these characters are a little bit more written than saga characters generally are. Um, and so my point is, is two different people can play through the game, uh, not only choosing the, the other protagonist, but with a totally different party, uh, and different characters entirely that affects both story, like, well, not really most of the, the front to back narrative, but like scenes that you get the private actions as well as in battle. Um, there's a bunch more quality of life stuff that I hadn't even mentioned in terms of, um, just, uh, how do I put this? Like in the original versions of the game, in order to power up skills, you had to like repeatedly use them over and over and over again. Yeah. Where now you can just, there's a new like currency you can use to just upgrade them, which is much, much, much less tedious. Um, 
now there's a menu that you can pull up when you're fast traveling and it lets you know at any time where there's private actions. So this may not, if you're not familiar, this may not sound like a big deal, but in the original game, how it would work is you would see like a story event. Let's just say you finish the, um, the forest of symbols and you're like, all right, I just finished the story event. I wonder if there's new private actions. I better walk all the way back to Arlia, which involves going like through Salva and across the world map all the way back to Arlia just to check if there's a private action there. I don't know if there is or not. And you'd walk all the way back, um, check it out and be like, oh, well, there wasn't one there. Maybe there's one in Salva. I'm going to walk to Salva and see if there's a private action there. Nope, I don't think so. Or you go to a place and you do have a private action and you're like, well, now I wonder if that unlocked any other ones. Yes. <laughs> that it just ends up like yeah, cascading. So huge pain, yeah. Yeah, so you, you like, basically have to tour the world slowly just to wonder like, where are private actions? I have no idea. You're kind of blind. Where now they just show up in a menu. document all that back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's... <laughs> we have every private action from this moment to that moment. And there's also deadlines, too, because you're faster in story parts. Yeah. It's gone, right? So I, I don't know how people do it. Yeah, so that's a huge quality of life thing where you just check a menu and like, oh, there's a new private action in Arlie. I'm just going to warp there and see it. And it even tells you if they're timed or not, which... There's not a whole lot of reason to wait. You know, there's some maybe minor reason if you want to get a certain character first or whatever, but um, the, you, it's much nicer when you finish a story event at a dungeon or whatever just to finish the private actions that you see and then continue on rather than having to spend an hour or two slowly touring the world. And this, the, those older versions, that's like what game FAQs was created for. You just, someone would have typed it up <laughs> that you could reference it. Now you don't really need to. Um, um, my, my question is, like, if you played the newest Star Ocean, let's say Divine Force, for example, do they show you where all the private action is, too? Or this is something completely new to SO2R? I actually I don't remember. remember how, it wasn't that long ago. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if they showed you where they were exactly, like, if they, when they were available on the map. I don't remember that. Well, I do remember that Star Ocean 5's private actions were awful. Like, <laughs> yeah. absolutely garbage. They were terrible. I mean, in, in what way? In, do, in do you want and how they were implemented? Or uh, so Star Ocean Five, you would have to like go to the inn, and you'd have to go to a certain circle to like uh, activate private action mode, and then the characters would separate like they normally do. Then you'd go to view their private action, and then you'd have to like go back to the inn, and then like reset it and go out again. And it was just a bunch of backtracking, like back to the end and out of the end and back to the end and out of the end to like reset all your private actions. Where just as a point of comparison, in Star Ocean 2, it's just a button now. Just press it. Um, mm -hmm. And by the way, if you're not familiar with private action, all it really is is in the Star Ocean series. Um, it's just like, it's almost like skits in uh, the Tales series, only it's more just like character interactions. Like you'd see a private action w between Claude and Reyna or... Claude and Celine, or Reyna and Ashton, or whatever. And it's just like a little character-to-character -character skit. And it usually includes some sort of uh, affinity gain or loss, depending on your choice you make, that kind of bolsters your relationship with that character. And that affects endings. Um, endings in Star Ocean games, and they're, they're all very similar in the sense, like there's various endings for different pairings of characters, depending on what your affinities are. Um, in this case... There are 99 different endings, and it's just all the different permutations of characters plus a few bonus ones. And it actually one of the kind of 
kind of nice, neat things that the game does when you get to that point is it actually lists out all the endings you've achieved and which ones you don't have yet. So it's just kind of a nice little catalog. Like you've gotten eight endings because on, on a single playthrough, you might get several endings because for various characters and then just let you know which ones you've gotten, which is kind of fun. Really, I, I think it's a really like big testament on like the developer's part of like, you can tell these are Star Ocean 2 fans that like, are just, we're just thinking of every possible way they could like enhance the experience and make it like a smoother ride for mm-hmm. newcomers and existing players because like pretty much nearly every facet of this of second story R is definitely catered to like just making Star Ocean to like just a better game experience. It's pretty fascinating to see because they they really took a hard look at it for like inside and out what they could do better with it. And I think I think that really oh. just uh, like th- that ties into like you know the the interview um, about the the behind the first second story are developers on like kind of its revival. I was gonna ask Chow because Chow and Adam have both taken a long look at trying to ex- detail in various guides and primers up on the site about how all these systems works because. It's a lot more intuitive now than it was, but there's still, you know, there's still some vestiges of, you know, the sort of 90s design philosophy creeping through just in the way that these menuing and all these systems work. Uh, so we, we heard at length kind of Adam's initial impressions about how he feels about the additions and changes to Star Wars in the second story are. I just want to make sure we get uh, Chow an equal chance to kind of talk about his time with the game, especially diving in as thoroughly as he did to to write up all the details about how the how all the systems work. Um, so my, my experience with the game, I, I, I treat it as like the Marvel versus Capcom 2 of RPGs. Because if you're using like all the characters, they move faster, you know, just like how they work. It's like you're putting like like modern video game versions of them into the old one. That's how I look at it. I know it's a very dumb comparison, but <laughs> that's how I see it. Well, um, I haven't played Marvel vs. Capcom 2, so I'm like, all right, what does that mean? Josh would know what I would be talking about. It'll be all this shit all thrown in at once, right? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like especially like when you talk, when you think about like how the kind of visual clutter and noise compared to like the or- original versions of the game, and like even the second evolution to like uh, this one and this one, yeah, like these new assist-only characters that like in battles, like they're just even more chaotic than ever because now you have other characters from the back lines ca- coming in. And you know, firing off their attacks, and like everything has been like rebalanced to kind of take into account that like you're just doing so much more damage and moving around so much faster um, around the battlefield uh, more than ever before. And uh, that also especially factors into things like some of those backline characters can have like very busy like um, attacks that like hit all enemies at once or something. So yeah. I, I like go go for it. So in terms of new content, there's not a I mean, like, we haven't even talked about battle system changes. There's now a shield gauge. There's now a counter system. Um, and there's now sometimes leader enemies that tie into this breaking of shields and whatnot. And there's a bonus gauge and all that. Formations that affect your bonus gauge bonuses. There's a lot of new things. Um, and overall, I think it helps the game be a little bit less button mashy. That's always kind of been a... It's still sort of button mashy, but not as bad. Um, but um, if you were a person who was familiar with Star Ocean 2 and you were watching someone play this remake and for the first time besides like the visual style being different probably the most 
observable difference you would notice are those assault action characters. So what, what assault action is, is Josh mentioned it, is you can find um, cameo characters. They're, they're, they're found as a jewel in the game that are the protagonists of the previous Star Ocean games or the other games in the series. So like you have Fate from Star Ocean 3, you have Edge from Star Ocean 4, you have Fidel from Star Ocean 5, and so on. And you can call them in their 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 attacks are work on a work on a cooldown, so you can call them in and they'll do like an ability, and it's it's actually a pretty considerably damaging ability. Like they're worth using. Um, they, and they scale to your own stats because yeah, I and, summon Letitia like right at like level twenty, but because I have a very overpowered weapon, it does like did like multi hits like of thousands. Like holy shit, this fucking yeah. hurts. Yeah, and later in the game, those cooldowns. I don't know if they're based on like your crit your damage or your critical hits or your or whatever bonuses you have from your skills. I don't right quite recall. But those cooldowns become really short. And what that means is you can summon these characters, these like assault action cameo assist attacks in very frequently, like multiple times per battle. And like Josh was saying, it makes things kind of chaotic. There's no reason not to use them. It's basically free damage. Like, oh, I'm gonna summon in Letitia. She does like an area of effect magic, you know, thing. And then, like, Fate does, like, a really big sword slash thing that does a lot of damage. And Fidel, um, everyone's favorite character from Star Ocean 5, does, like, an area of effect attack that affects the whole battlefield and really good for wiping out lots of enemies at once. That That's probably, like, the most observable difference when you're, like, watching people play this game, I think, especially in the later stages, because you're going to be summoning in these characters all the time. Uh, like Josh said, also, your other four party members, because you can have eight in the in the game, only four in battle. The other four that aren't in battle, you can call them in as well to do assault, like assist attacks. But I kind of felt they were, weren't were nearly as good as like the cameo characters, so I always stuck with them. Um, they, they also added uh, fishing into this game. Yeah, like, that's like, the other even, new like, content. And even, and even like a new character that's like an NPC for the fishing. Yeah, the new character's name is Real. So I think that's like a prime example of normative determinism where like once you're named real you're just destined to be like this fisher nut right <laughs> so um but yeah she's basically a new npc that you meet in one of the towns this is really one of the more significant new content even though it's not really that significant it's it's present where there's fishing spots all over the map both in cities on the world map and sometimes in kind of silly places like Here's a pot of water in this house. You can fish in it. How does that work? I don't know. It does. And you catch There's fish. There's a little moat at the base of a statue. There's a yeah. bunch of fish in there. Yep. Like little fountain. You can just fish in the fountain. Apparently there's fish in there. But um, you catch fish. It's a very simple fishing system. It's not even worth going into. It's just you press a button at the right time and it fishes. And you basically can turn these in for items. And some of these items, there are a bunch of new weapons and accessories in the game, as well as like new factors. Factors factors are things that have shown up in later Star Ocean games that are basically just like bonuses on weapons and armor and accessories. So they're now in this game too. And these new accessories, like I believe there's one for the fishing that raises your attack by 50%, which is pretty significant. Uh, there's, yeah. also, there's also a weapon, there's also an accessory that raises your attack by 100% later. Um, and you, there's all these different factors you can do and fishing. My point is, is that it's kind of throwing more items at you, more equipment at you that you get for rewards. There's a new um, mission system as well. So mission system, there's two different types of missions. There's guild missions 
And then there's challenge missions. Guild missions are kind of the replacement to like the skill books in the original games, if you remember those. You had to buy skill books, which allowed you to learn the skills that allow you to do the item creation. It gets a little bit confusing if you're not familiar with it. In this game, those don't exist. Those skill books don't exist, but what instead exist are guild missions. And basically all these are, are the, they're like small little lessons into like how to use item creation. It's like use writing to use the writing item creation to create a, to write a book. And if you do this, we'll give you some SP and money and EXP and some items or whatever. And it's just kind of a, it's like an incentive for you, the player to be like, let me like look into this and just see what I can do and, you know, fulfill what this guild mission wants me to do. But it kind of also just kind of teases you and what else you can do with this item creation. It's smart tutorialization. Yeah. It just gives you a little reward for just like testing it to trying it. Um, and there's a bunch of those it's like try, try using replication or use, here's what things you can do with music or, or what have you. Um, it's just like little lessons. And then the other type of mission challenge mission, these are sort of like battle trophies in later games, although they're not all combat related. Some of them are, but some of them aren't, some of them are just pure, you know, progress in the story like, or item creation. Steps. Yeah. And then um, these ones, these missions uh, are basically, there's like mini in-game achievements that you basically turn in for free items. And the game throws more and more items at you. And we can maybe start talking about the item creation stuff more in depth now in that these items that you get, sometimes they might seem minor, like, oh, this 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 uh, mission that I did gave me some mithril. What do I do with mithril? But apparently, uh, if you don't know, you can actually use Mithril to like create one of the strongest weapons in the game from relatively early on for Claude. And basically, if you know what you're doing or if you experiment enough to kind of make weapons before you would naturally get them, you can break the game's uh, difficulty and balance wide open. And then there's other there's things, too. The there's so many That's ways, right. I'm sure. Um, you can use... You can get infinite money relatively early by using replication in a smart way and just replicating items that sell for a lot of money. And then you buy the film that you use for replication for less than what you sold it for. So you basically just have infinite money. And then you can find these items that raise levels of characters for free and you can replicate them. So you're like, voila, I'm, I was level 30. 20 minutes later, I'm now level 100. You know, it's literally, literally, I'm not exaggerating. Maybe a little. Maybe it takes well, like before, 40 minutes. Before, before we started recording, I talked about how I had done some uh, some of the replication to get some money. And uh, Josh was like, well, that's not how I broke the game open. I broke the game open by using this goodie box to get this insane gear early on. And then, you know, the, there's a third and fourth and fifth way to all do it as well. There's just... Yeah, I kind of put I Star think... Ocean 2. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'll be honest that sometimes it's easy to be, at least for me, maybe I'm weirdo, but it's it's, it's easy to kind of be intimidated and be like, well, I just don't want to, I don't want to interface with that. I'm just going to like buy gear as I go to new, treat it like a very, very traditional RPG, blah, blah, blah. But the the missions, as you mentioned, it's nice to just kind of say like, don't be intimidated. Just try try going into crafting and just, you know, and the, the UI is much more intuitive than it was. Yes. And it, and it clearly says like, if you use an iron in crafting, you will you can make five different things. You found out two of them. There's three more. 
Um, this is your success rate for being able to do it with this character. And it's like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. I understand this. Oh, in order to do this more, I need to update this skill. It's, it's actually more uh, intuitive you, than like Star Ocean 6. Yeah, I mean, Star Ocean 6. Uh, you're kind of blind. You're I remember more blind. Star Ocean 6, when I was trying to get ready for all the end game content of that with Gabriel Celeste and all that, I was trying to have like, in most cases, characters can synthesize their best weapon, but not all. It's like, oh, in order to get um raymond's best weapon actually uh what's her name vanya i remember her name Kim has to make it or it was some, it was something like that where it was like and why is that i don't know it just is um there's there's a little bit of that eclectic kind of esoteric uh trial and error knowledge that you had to kind of like pull up a guide for even in that game where in this game i i you know shout out to the guides that chow and adam have put together up on the site and they are very useful especially the checklists but I don't, I don't feel like I have to like read them like a Bible. Like, oh, a lot of the information that's presented in the game is pretty. It's pretty intuitive once you just kind of dip your toes in. It's not not, not too intimidating. Um, and when in the other games, there's just so much happening behind the scenes that's just a lot of guesswork and RNG, and you don't know if you're wasting your items or not. So well, this sort of play. idea, this sort of idea that you can break the game wide wide open, that's not necessarily like new. In fact. Pretty much every Star Ocean game you can do this in. And in fact, I've, wrote, I've written about this in terms of, I kind of find this, I kind of view this more like a feature of the series rather than, you know, something to poke at or a flaw or anything. It's just kind of, it's there if you want it to be. I Especially this remake of Star Ocean 2, I kind of like in my mind put it in the same bucket as like Final Fantasy 8 where you don't have to do this at all. But if you want to and you play it a certain way, you can just completely get overpowered items, weapons, gear, level up, you know, stats, just completely bust things wide open. There is no difficulty, and that's I'm not criticizing it for that. I think it's a feature, not a bug. Like, I was going to say, I don't know if they balance the difficulty well because of it, because they definitely made the monsters in this game like have like three times more HP and they yes. get harder than the PS1 version. But the problem is, that, like, I, I guess they do account for people breaking the game, but if they don't know how to break the game, then they'll be like struggling to get through this content. Because I read one of the reviews, they like gave it a game low score because they didn't know how to do this item creation stuff, and they used Reyna as their physical attacker <laughs> for some reason, which is the healer of the group, and was struggling to get through the last half of the game. It's like, yeah, I gave up. This game is not good, or something like that, because they don't know how to use these systems. So it's kind of like... I don't, know, that's not, I, don't, I don't really think that's like item creation is like uh, necessarily like mandatory to like beat the... Of course, I'm talking about like the, the base game. I don't know how it is for the for this remake, but I don't think it's like... I can't no. imagine that's like they're they're expecting you to like like break the game to get proceed the proceed no. the game like in a mandatory fashion. It's one like, of those things that like yeah, I, I can't really speak like, to it. Difficulty as well, uh, you know, if if need be. Um, but I, I just I don't know. I I just think that's that that's hard to believe to think that like they expect you to break the game to proceed through. But I, I, I don't mind like, that. I, I was like saying the monsters have been scaled up a lot, so yeah, I'm they, they, they they're accounting for that, or they just want people to do more action-based. Uh, think about it like this. Think about how the new gameplay system works, right? Because they're, they're accounting because they have this new shield system and breaking is like a new central feature of the game to do a lot of damage. You know, so you have, like, even if you were not, like, you weren't breaking the game, like, stats-wise with, like, you know, really, really fire, very powerful equipment, you still can use, like, you can still think about it tactically of, like, I want to, like, level up these skills that are break-focused, and HP focused, and I can level up the break focused ones to uh, shred shields faster. 
so I can break enemies more often and, and get my damage phases in, in faster, you know? Like, it, it, it takes into account for that because you do so much more damage against enemies when they're broken versus when they're not. And they give you, like, uh, stuff like the perfect dodge system to, like, make things even more, like, you know, if you play well enough, you should be able to overcome a comet just, like, you know, through sheer, like, skill alone, too, as well. So, like, it's just one of those things, like, I just don't buy that, like, they arbitrarily scaled things up because they expect you to break the game. They arbitrarily, they scaled things up because they designed new systems to get, to make it, to make it easier for you to, like, deal more damage with stuff like the shield system, for example. So, like, if you're not playing into, like, the game's new systems that they give you, then of course you're going to struggle because you're just wailing away at, like, what feels like, what feels impenetrable because you're not taking advantage of the systems that they've introduced in this remake. You know what I mean? Like, if you wanted to, you could play this game without, like, upgrading your arts, without upgrading your battle skills that improve, like, your accuracy and your damage and even your ability to break shields. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard if you don't interface with those. And that's not, that's not, like, part of any breaking the game. That's just using the mechanics in the game to level up, progress as you would in an RPG. Yeah, I was just going to say, sometimes it's just, like, conventional, like, okay, you're struggling on a ball. And I'm not saying that all complaints or criticisms about unbalanced difficulty are invalid but just like have you have you considered your who your who's in your party or as chow brought up are, are you using reina as your physical attacker should you be doing that uh things like that so sometimes uh, it's just like you don't have to break the game open but have you have you taken an approach that makes sense to what you're doing because you know we, we've all got our favorite example of uh like lost odyssey's first two bosses or the dodo bird and um Beaten Kaido's Origins, where the balance just goes out of whack in a way that does kind of feel unfair to the player. I, I so have a good example. I have a good example. Go ahead. Relatively late in the game, there is a boss who's basically just like a fireball. Like I mean that literally. He's just like a big giant fire guy, and um, he was actually doing quite a bit of damage to my characters, even with like higher levels and whatnot. And I was just like, hmm, this guy is actually sort of tough, and I lost one. So I'm just going to put on equipment that lowers ha fire damage by half, and like, oh, voila, now he's way easier. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just stuff like that. But there are those cases. I don't, I don't know if Star Ocean 2 has an emblematic example, but there are those cases where it's like, why is why is Getsuo and Tales of Asperia so fucking tough? <laughs> that, that boss is so <laughs> funny, because Carol, after the battle, is like, that was easy. Like, it was not. Shut up, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there are the, there, so there are those examples that are genuine, and, and yeah, no, even if you like set up well, you're gonna you're gonna struggle just because they are they are just a hard boss. Um, so even though we go ahead, in, in the arena, <laughs> have you guys tried being a DS in the arena? It's like a it's a battle that you're supposed to lose, but in the PSP you... version, you can sort of beat him, and every time you beat him, he gets back up, and it's like okay, it's like rip. I just wonder if you guys have even tried. No, yeah, you, yeah, like in, in, in older versions, yeah, not, not in the remake, but like in, in definitely in the PSC version. I forget. So, this is kind of a this is kind of a tangent, but the remake has a new game plus. Did the PSP version or the original version have new game plus? Or, no. or is that new? New? No, that's new. That is new. Okay. So the new game plus no. is nice, just for like if you want to see other endings, if you want to see the other well, protagonists. Because route. it has the characters, yeah, yeah, and the route. So like, and it seems like it's tailor made. Yeah, so if you do a route with, like, Claude, Priestess, Ashton, you know, Chisato, I'm like, all right, now in my next playthrough, I'm going to check out Reyna's story, and I'm going to get, you know, Opera, Ernest, Noel, or whatever, and Bowman, and just kind of see the other characters. 
and you you can kind of blitz through the game and just see the scenes. You're all, you're overpowered already and whatnot, so it's fun. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about like kind of like the meat and potatoes for like if this was a new RPG, we'd be talking the story, uh, <laughs> or maybe a, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say like I don't know how to best to describe it. Star Ocean has all these interesting systems that we kind of latch onto that, but it's like how do we feel about the characters? How do we feel about the plot, etc.? And I'll just say kind of two things. As I played through this game, if you asked me before playing through the remake, what do you remember about Star Ocean 2? It would have been honestly like very little on the fringes. I do remember Priestess as the young girl that is like a Tita type. I do remember Ashton because he's very, you know, iconic. Uh, well, I don't know if iconic is the right word, but his his design's very unique. Um, it's funny that you and, like you, co- you compare uh, you compare um, Priestess to like uh, an RPG that came out way after Star Ocean 2 came out. <laughs> like yeah. compare her to Tita. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, look, people, when they well, see uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky. I saw one Steam guy. It's going, is that Kirito and Asuna? They said Sue. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> okay. It's like, but as I've been. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it's all about icon recognized. You know, whatever comes more popular, it's like what people will compare with, right? It doesn't matter if you came first. It's all about the popularity these days. Well, in terms of did I play Trails in the Sky before Star Ocean Second Evolution? I don't. It was around the same time. I think I played the PSP version of both games around the same time. So, um, right the pre- in terms of presentation of the game, um, I like how it looks with the art style with the t- with the pixels in the 3D. I know some people think they clash, which is fair. I don't mind it. I think it looks fine. Um, and the 2D art's great. The 2D art is way. I never was a fan of the PSP art, which is like a really basic anime style with like absolutely no shading it's it's i don't even know that's it's like a very very simple style that's not even mentioning the anime art basically that's not even mentioning that like reina looks like an elementary school girl and she's supposed to be like 17 (laughs) um and that was this is a criticism from nobody way back then people were criticizing especially that reina just looks like she's 12 or 10 or whatever um (laughs) And but anyways, the art, new art is excellent. I like it a lot. Um, it's obvious. It's Yuki very Hiro modern. Kajimoto yes. is this longtime um, Star Ocean artist on that you one. You can also swap the art, which I, yes. I, the most funny thing I find swapping the art in the menu is that okay, you swap to the PSP art, it, it goes sideways. But you swap to the PS One art, it comes from the bottom. <laughs> it looks like they're like creeping up or something. Yeah, I, I love that actually. <laughs> I think that, I think I, I heard that they did that because that's what it did in the original game. Is they came from the bottom. So sort of oh, a color. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice Easter. And I, I do want to say that like the simple flat shading of the other art in the PSP versions, I think that style can work in certain mediums, especially if it's like an animation style that's very fluid. But when they're being used as like still portraits for a character that don't move, I don't think it's as well suited. Right. So in a vacuum, it's it can be used in a good way. It just I don't think it fits the the way they were being used very well in the PSP version. Um, this game um, has three different voice tracks. It has the PlayStation Portable, the PSP version, Japanese and English tracks. Um, the English track is kind of from that era in that it's it's not terrible, but it's not great. It's kind of it's just serviceable at best. It's fine. It's there's some good. It has it has that nebulous where it's like it's charming. Yeah, like my, my, my <laughs> don't ask us that. to find that. I was just going to say, like, they don't want to, like, redub the entire or redo the localization because they want to reuse the English dub. Is that what everyone assumes, I guess? But 
I, I mean, it, it, uh, overall, like overall, like like I, I think if they had to make compromises on what the on of fields they wanted to focus on in this remake, and they had to like cut down on like you know getting a new voice track for a new English voice track, or new or brand new Japanese uh voice track or whatnot, um, like a brand new cast, like I, I would prefer they cut down on like the the voices there if they, if it was in service to like making other elements of the game better. Like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. The voices um, are. Anyways, in terms of like localization, I don't know if it's excellent, but I don't think it was ever to the point where it's like this needs to be redone. So the fact that they just kept the localization the same, it's fine. You know, it's good. I went through the PS One version. It's not bad, but certain parts were like completely like mistranslated or translated a little bit too literally. Like the Sacred Forest is like Shingo Forest. Like what the hell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do we? What do we feel about? What do we? What do we feel about creepy and weepy instead of like Uruu and Guru or whatever they're? I, that, that's still kind of actually just a, a tiny bit. To be honest. Oh, I mean, are I, so upset about that. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, because I, I I really like the Japanese names for, for that. Um, um I, yeah. I think people are still upset about like the angels being renamed because uh back then you know people were scared of offending religion, so they would censor any religious themes back in the day. So all the angel names are gone, and they put that back in the PSP version. So. I think I think the only thing that's like that's really very noticeable in terms of like this uh, remake in terms of like the dialogue is like some like some of the there's like some weird like line breaks that are like that cut off way too early so you get like way more lines in a dialogue than like there should have been because like of like uh, excessive line breaks in some of the lines uh, between saw, yeah because it has that stylistic like floating text box above their head right and I had one where like there was no there was like it was missing a space like between like two sentences and then. Um, there was once where I was in Cross Castle and I spoke to someone and it said, Welcome to Lacur Castle. Yeah. And I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> like uh, yeah. still, I don't know if they just like they had like in their back end, they just identified the wrong NPC to get that that chirp too. <laughs> yeah, I, I was seeing some people like talk about that in like the uh, reset era thread. So definitely something people have been running into. Yeah, I, I think they'll patch it up, you know. It's, it's like kind of minor things like that. You know, yeah. so it's not the biggest deal. Yeah, I mean, like, it definitely doesn't take away from the fact that, I mean, it seems unanimous that everyone's agreeing that this is now the definitive way to play the game, which is incredible. And, mm -hmm. like, like, what has Gem Drops done before? Like, Cry Star. Uh, Cry Star, let's go! <laughs> Man, maybe, maybe they should just uh, do, like, uh, remakes of all of uh, Square's PS1 catalog in the style of this. I think that I, I, would I, be I want, a great yeah. idea. It, it's it's interesting, because I, I don't know how I feel about because I I, I, it. because I think this is a really interesting, like, visual style. I don't know if it's something that I would like for everything. Like, uh, like I think it's it's a nice, like, proof of concept of, like, 3D yeah. backgrounds with, the, with these uh, yeah. really crisp 2D pixel sprites. Yeah. And I, like like it may it, I literally like like I deliberately go around like every new location just to see like what the environment looks like, uh, like how yeah. they implemented into this remake. But uh, I, I don't I, I don't know if the, if this like style is, uh, I don't know if it, I don't know what they call it, HD two D still, but I don't know if I want this like applied to like a lot of like you know other games yeah. either. Yeah, they they call it HD three D, but. I don't even necessarily mean HD in the same two point five D. I don't even like necessarily mean in the exact same like visual style as uh, this uh, Star Ocean remake. But I think that it's like they've more than proven that they're like a very capable studio at doing like kind of like how Blue Point used to be 
the uh, remaster studio. I guess they still technically are, but it's like this is this is just an interesting. Like, yeah, happening. I definitely want to like. I hope this is not the last time we see of this, though. This is sort of a small thing, but like uh, one thing I was noticing was like there's a lot of port cities in this game, and like looking at how the water animates, like compared to like modern AAA games, it's nothing. But it's just kind of like seeing this water animation, like ocean tide and whatnot, in like what is sort of a PSP game or whatever, resouped up. It's like it's kind of fun. Just like the that I like it. You know, what's what's going in my head right now is that old like Meverse meme. Yeah, the guy nice, water. Going, nice water, <laughs> nice water, nice uh, water. Yeah, but I really do like the 3D style. It's like it's like a it's like a high. And I'm playing it on a PC at a high resolution, but like the 3D art is like a high resolution Vita game. Is kind of what it kind of reminds me of, uh, and I think it blends well with the uh, with the pixel um, art of the characters. And talking about like what should gem drops do, like the the. The clear candidate is like, well, maybe they should just take a similar approach with Star Ocean 1. The only thing that I'm hesitant about that, I'm like, well, Star Ocean 1's just not as good of a game, so no. I wouldn't be as excited about it. But it would be, it would obviously be a, a good a good candidate. Honestly, I would rather just like see how like First Departure just like be ported, like their like the recent console version of like that was released on like PlayStation and Switch, just like port that over to other platforms. Call it good. You never know? got a PC Departure, version. Like, yeah, no. yeah, for, yeah. First departure is like serviceable for that. You know, for that game. It's I, like, I wish it's they not got a... that treatment. But the way the first departure was made is just like second evolution. It's just like the PSP port. You know, yeah, but I, I, I feel, I feel like they're, 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 I don't know if like I would care as much for like if they they remade Star Ocean like Star Ocean. Like, like it's a fine game. I think first departure is like it's okay. You know, it's fine for it. I, I that's how I, I see it. To... I think what I would want is kind of like they update the sprites just a little bit that they would match the art because it's like a little jarring when you play it and then they have the sprites from the PSP version and then the character art is like completely different. You know especially for char- especially characters like Ilya, like she literally has a part early on where she gets a new outfit and it like doesn't match her sprite at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. okay. She's wearing her PSP art uh, sprite. <laughs> And then her art is like she's wearing blue clothes. It's a different color entirely. entirely. I think I think the more interesting project for me is like they should try to do uh, like obviously it can't be done in this style, but they should try to do a remake for Star Ocean three and see what that looks. Do a remake. I I forgot. I forgot that that Switch version or console version was called also First Departure R. So if they wanted to do it in this style, it has to be called like Star Ocean create a new subtitle R or it's just Star Ocean R. And for those who aren't for those who aren't familiar, so like there's a PS1 version and the PSP version of Star Ocean 2. And there are differences, of course, but they're they're way more similar than the original Star Ocean and Star Ocean PSP. Those are completely different games. Um, In fact, First Departure is basically just like putting the Star Ocean characters in the Star Ocean 2 like style. So yeah, if they were to like do a remake of Star Ocean One, it could be, it'd be very different. Yeah, yeah. that's a totally. Different I guess I wasn't game. aware of that really. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like a like because Star Ocean Three is the first like three D Star Ocean that it had is kind of infamous for like really ugly character models. Um, I would want to see like what what kind of remake treatment that would get because that that's actually one of the Star Ocean series that like. It's kind of near and dear to my heart because I really like the battle system. And I really like a lot of Josh likes uh, characters dying in battle when they run out of MP. 
Dude, it's so cool. Honestly, I really like that part about it. There, there, there are there are, there are so actually unique. bosses in that game where it's like this boss has a shit ton of defense, a shit ton of health. You can't beat him. Yeah. But wait, they only have 400 MP. You can actually sap exactly. That I, I think that's so cool. To be honest, I'm like that's so clever of them. But and of course, like I think that one of the things that like drive people mad, like completionists in that game, is like remember the the map percentage. Uh, oh percentages, yes. uh, to fill it up. I I have vivid uh, memories of one of the very first. I don't remember the location name, but I remember the music of one of the very first areas. Just kind of like, <laughs> like you're you're basically like outlining the map. You're just kind of running against the wall. You're wall hugging is the phrase. And while this kind of annoying guitar track plays the whole time, you're just like, shut up and try to fill out the map here. And it, it, it'll drive completionists insane, like like me and Adam, because like as you're filling out the map, there's like a, there's an exact percentage uh, like point bar right by the map that shows how much of the map you filled out. So you could be stuck at like ninety nine point like seven one percent. You're like, where the, where, what have I not filled in in this map? Because you get an item like a goodie for like completing it's, it as it's well. It's like it's like East Memories of Salsada, only like worse, way worse. <laughs> so, so, so I, I added trophies in the was it? I think the PS four version was it? Yeah, or they ported it to PS four and it got trophies. Yeah, is it as cancerous as Star Ocean four and getting trophies? It's pretty bad. I did it. I, I think there's a trophy. Star Ocean 4, I think we talked about this, but I'm going to say it again. There's a, you, one of the trophies in Star Ocean 4 is to get all or some percentage of the in-game battle trophies. I think it's all of them. Which it's are literally all. All, the, all like one 900 of them. Is of like, them. One of them is with Bacchus. Star Ocean 4's characters are so bad. Anyways, yes, they're um, terrible. With Bacchus, you have to hit like 65556 five, damage or like exactly on the dot. So you have to like tailor their attack stat and, and find an enemy with like a suitable defense stat but a high enough HP pool and just like keep swinging away until you happen to like land on that exact damage value in like the 60,000s for yeah. a battle trophy and like this is the stupidest trophy I've ever had to grind for. <laughs> but we all love we all love Starship 4 characters like Bacchus and Myuria and Miracle <laughs> and Sarah and Limmel, we all love these characters. I can't really, I can't believe I remember all the names. Jesus Christ! Look, man, look. look this is this is how they're going to try to get a Star Ocean Five popular again is by making apparently Fidel's one of the best uh, the assist characters in the Star Ocean Two remake. So this is kind of trying to redeem Star Ocean Five. In a... Look, I, I can. Raimi, Raimi is the best. I mean, Raimi is the kind of the best character by default. Just by being it's like a process of elimination, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I if everyone's bad, there has to be at least a bad character. I, I was just going to say, I, I can remember the Star Ocean 4 main character because every time I, I remember this guy, because I think I played in Japanese voices when the game first came out, he's always in like these scenes like in an anime horror where he gets caught in like a girl bath suit or something, and they're like, Etch! And the way they pronounce it, it sounds like they're saying Etchy. You know, it's like, come on, Edge, get the hell out of here. My God, I, you just reminded me that I mixed up Edge and Fidel earlier. Like, like I, I hear Edge is still good as, as this only character in the game, but I got Edge and Fidel mixed up because because Star Ocean Five also a pretty forgettable cast. Yeah, voiced by Matt Mercer before yeah, Matt Mercer well, got huge. Yeah, it's funny thing that Edge is Matt Mercer. That is, it's funny. Like, he doesn't even really even sound like modern Matt Mercer at all. And, uh, there, there's no voices for the for the cameo characters that you no, call in on. Not at all. Okay. They just okay. come in and do their attack. They, it oh, is. It is kind of cool. Voices. I, I was playing in Japanese voice. I oh, heard, I guess. Uh, doing oh, voice. I guess they just don't have voices in English. They just pop up and. Oh, okay, that's funny. <laughs> but like Rina Chan, it's like or something like that. They they come in and say that. 
when I summoned it. So, well, I guess, well, I guess that's something that since they have a new Japanese voice track and they added that, they could, that's something that's that's kind of well, cool that they're able like, to do like that. The, like the new Japanese voice track is like remastering like the like the the old PlayStation voices in yes. Japanese for this like that that castle. Like they 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 sound older, trying to do the younger like be, trying to sound like their younger self. Yeah. So we got like Sailor Mercury as Rina instead of like I don't know like Anne from Persona Five. I personally like the second evolution cast a lot more because they sound younger, fits the character a lot more. Um but there there are some some characters I do like the, the OG cast more. Like uh I like Claude. I don't really like his his newer voice. I, I feel Claude's a very strange voice. He, like none of them sounds kinda like a teenager. They're all kinda kinda like a it, 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 like uh, like second evolution sounds too mature, but his OG voice also sounds too amateur or not that I'm too young for him. Like I, like it's just it's just they they never found like a middle ground in my opinion for his Japanese voice. Uh, and like he, Reina is kind of like okay, her old OG voice is like yeah, she's trying to sound young, but uh, like not young enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just yeah. like it, it's uh, was it you know Sailor Mercury? Uh, I think the more recent thing is like. Did would be like Legend Heroes, uh, Ariane Rod. Uh, is that how you say your name? The, the, the Ariane Steel Maiden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's using the Steel Maiden voice as Rena on her. Sounds like an adult feels, woman when Rena's 17. Okay, it feels more like it's too before her mom, you know. That's kind of like my impression. Rena with a like, mom voice, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think one of the things is like, I was it in the original game, I think. Um, some of the NPCs were used by the same voice actors as the main one because I guess they weren't expecting like the full game to get voiced. So there'll be like Philia with the same voice actor as Reina, for example. Mm. I, I don't know if that affects them. Like, like I can't really tell on that part with like more minor characters. The English cast also kind of sounds kind of young, which I think fits the characters. In terms um, of the English like cast, kind of I actually like. Um, Reina is Eden Regal, who uh, she sounds a lot actually like Estelle from Tales of Vesperia, same voice in English. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's characters like Leon, who is like the little like scientist boy, and his voice is just awful. I, I, <laughs> it's it's like every line is bad. So that's kind of what you get with the English cast. It's like some are okay, and some are just like this is not professional. Celine's is kind of very stilted too, but. Sometimes it actually sounds okay, like it fits the personality. Like sometimes it's like, oh, she's just aloof, and then sometimes it's like, oh, that's just a bad line read. It yeah. just kind of depends on which scene. They, they um, still I, they, I, they still kept one of the best like aspects of um, Star Ocean Two intact though with the remake is um, in battle when everyone says like their skills, they can like overlay their voices every time they cast a skill. So you just hear like endless number, an uh, endless like line of like people shouting their skills again, again, and again, and again. And again. And it's just like and it's overlaid all on top of each other. And yeah, so, bad, but so I played it. Charming. I played in English, and one of the voices that stuck out a bunch is Priestess, when she does her ability jump and thump. That's what it's called. <laughs> and she's yeah. like jump, thump, jump, thump, <laughs> jump, thump. This <laughs> is like it's funny. Hell yeah! I mean, it's oh, not a Star Ocean game if you don't have like two abilities that are just spammed to hell and back. Meteor and that's Meteor Pob, Meteor Pob, Sidekick Dimension Door. Oh, wait, that's yes. Starship 3. Ragnar. Yeah. Uh, I think the most memorable for voice for me is like trying to cheat Diaz in the arena. He keeps saying like Chaos Blade, and you're like trying to oh, do yeah. it like, and Claude would do his like, 
attack. It's like, ah! ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Sounds fucking and I wouldn't have it any other way. Claude's English voice is, is okay, but his, I actually kind of like his battle like shouts and grunts more than his like conversation voice. It's just like... Spike Spencer, who but I think is it's the theory. original English voice of uh, Shinji from Evangelion. Huh. And also Ring-A-Bell from Bravely Default. I do like how the the voice performances in English and the story. This I like it doesn't the story doesn't take itself too seriously. It it'll, it's it, but not a comedy either. Like for instance, when you're doing like Ashton's quest to try to exercise the dragons on his back, there's just one point where you're like creepy, weepy, and they're like sad. They like grab yeah. creepy, <laughs> and it just like. <laughs> uh, and then there's like an early scene where that's kind of ham fisted with um. Celine's like wedding and you're like crash the wedding and it's just kind of goofy and like it's 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 it, it fits the vibe of the game um or like when you get priestess priestess is very very young uh, i think she's supposed to be like 11 or 12 she's 16 and like one of the fr- she's 16 oh she's 16 really yeah i thought she's supposed to be younger because well, like i think she, she i think does, she like, is the youngest play. besides leon i think she is the youngest character leon's like 12 so she has this thing like i i want to play hide and seek or you know things like that so okay normal 16 year old games <laughs> So, but I think the voice performances kind of fit the young cast. Very stereotypical, like JRPG. Once you're thirty, you're ancient, <laughs> which I think they've been doing. Uh, which has not as been as prevalent. It was very prevalent in the '90s, not as prevalent uh, more recently. In my I, I actually don't mind the story in this game. It, it's a lot lighter in tone than like mm-hmm. modern JRPGs. Like if you play like something like Tales of Arise, it has like they try to throw in this. Like kind of like dark, edgy theme at you. It's like slavery is bad. Slavery is bad. Can we just get to and like, then it doesn't and then it doesn't land, and you're just like rolling your eyes. It's cloying. And as I played through this game, like I, I was mentioning earlier, like I barely remember the PSP game. But then as I like repeat story events, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember going to this village and running into DS and having to save the kids from the from the gang. Oh, I remember. Um, you know, running into Ashton in the dragon's cave and uh, kind of trying to race to him to get the dragon. Oh, I remember uh, the having to uh, take the boat across the ocean, but then eventually the, the 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 city things happen. Like like as the events happen, I'm like recalling. Oh yeah, I remember this. It was just like on the fringe of my memory, and I couldn't recall it until I was reminded of it. But it's been it's really been really cozy to to revisit. I've been I wasn't like I installed this game and I was like oh I guess I should play this. But I've already I've already played Russian two. Do I really want to play it again? And then as I've been playing it again, I'm like actually yeah I'm having a hell of a time. I'm really glad that I'm, that I'm experiencing it again. Um, still easily the best Russian game, even though I do think Divine Force was decent. Um, hopefully proving that the series has has some life, and you know hopefully this remake remaster. Does well, you know, for the IP. I just think, I just think, the Square Enix going out and like greenlighting this project to take this relatively beloved JRPG from the era, and it was it was very very a lot of the changes and updates to the game are just very smart and well considered. Like they could have easily mm-hmm. done like a, a first departure R again, where it's just like here's second evolution with we'll just give it we'll give the characters new art and that's it. They could have easily done that. But they didn't. They like mm-hmm. remade it entirely, and um, I, I'm actually curious. What's like the Steam, uh, like consecutive? What's the word I'm looking for? Or yeah, 
concurrent. concurrent concurrent players like how, how does this compare to like Star Ocean Six? I expect it to be lower, maybe. Let me I don't know. Let's take a look. Uh, I, I actually went to go check right now. So it, it's uh its peak is like around seventy seven hundred, and then like people playing right now is like fifty five hundred. So that's just oh, from Steam alone. But that, that's from Steam alone. There's not counting the PlayStation. Yeah. Switch. So... And... I don't know if this came out on Xbox or not. No, it's no, not. it did not. Okay. Oh yeah, so it's at so it peaked at yeah seventy seven hundred. What did Divine Force peak at? I actually don't know if Divine Force got that high. Let me see. Divine Force. Like yeah, Divine Force peaked. Yeah, Divine Force peaked at forty four hundred. So it actually is already peaked higher than Divine Force on Steam. Um, That's actually sort of surprising. I knew people were fond of it. I didn't. I actually did not expect that, to be honest. I, I think I it's think, also word of mouth because, like, like over the years, people like, if you're gonna give one Star Ocean game a shot, that's true. Go play two. Go play yeah. two. And I'd say that, like, for the type of game it was, forty four hundred for Divine Force on PC alone is actually not that bad. Like, especially compared to how some of the other Square Enix uh, smaller releases have done over the last year. So like, even then, we just had like a, re- a recent one that uh, Dragon Quest Adventure of Die. You know, we, we talked about it when that came out. It's like that did, based on the Steam charts alone on that one. And I, I assume that, sure. that also that also was reflected in its co- console releases. Um, Star Ocean Four peaked at thirteen hundred on Steam. Star Ocean Five peaked at zero. <laughs> so it things <laughs> things seem to be on the up and up. I wonder if, if, if they're ever, ever going to reconsider re-releasing five ever again, or if they're going to just keep that locked on PlayStation. Bury it. Uh, they five. would have to redo that game, because that game is complete trash, so... Five never you know, existed. It kind of ruined the name, at least in my opinion. I actually think Five has some decent, like, narrative elements like, written out, but the way that they're presented is as bad as it could be. Like, on yeah. paper, I think it could work if it was just, like, presented in a completely different way. Like, I think everyone probably has that general consensus that five was probably supposed to be made as an MMO from the budget from their gotcha game, but that gotcha game got closed down, so they probably didn't have funding and it got cut short and made to a single player game or something like that. I remember playing through Starship Five, and I'm pretty sure I talked about it on this podcast. It's weird in that, like, there are no cutscenes for like the first several hours of the game. It has that sort of just like you move your character while the, while characters talk around you. And it's not like presented like a cutscene or even not even like dialogue portraits that you would get in Star Ocean 2. It's just kind of like you move your character around and like there's just like voiceover. It's very strange. Yeah, it's it's like it's like you're basically you're basically playing the game, but there just happens to be a like a dialogue box at the bottom. Exactly. Something. It's it like you know how in Star Ocean 2, and actually this remake, it's sort of a fun little flavor thing. When you're walking around the map, sometimes the characters will just kind of like chat. They are they're not voiced, at least not in English. Um, they just say like kind of random things like we should go here or, you know, sometimes there's f- some fun like skit like dialogue chat where it just kind of pops up as you walk. That's like all of Star Ocean 5's story, at least for, like the first several hours. It's like how it's presented. It's very like, weird. Like like that, that technique works for like supporting or ancillary or like world building. But like if that's your primary delivery, it's yeah, I'm not going to say it can't work, but it's just it's strange. strange compared to how the rest of the series works. Arshad Two, Arshad Two does the fun thing though that that was in Second Evolution and um in, in this remake where since like you know they're working within the confines of like uh, sprite models, so like to like kind of uh, drive home like key moments in the di- in dialogue interactions, they'll have like 
it's like the portrait art doesn't always like pop up for every dialogue interaction. It's just sometimes sometimes reserved for like key moments of like what someone's saying that their like dialogue art or portrait art pops up and then like with like a different like expression on them, which is always a nice little touch. You know what one of my um, favorite yeah. Star Ocean sprite expressions are? Right. It's like when you get like back attacked in this version and your characters and your have like a pop. really like a popping eyes and they're like oh yeah they're really yeah. they have like a really it also it also shows that it's like when they're stunned also <laughs> yeah they have like a really like yeah. overly done shocked face it's so fun i like it it's so good yeah that that's excellent i'm just not realizing that we've been talking about star ocean the second story r for over an hour but it's, there, it there's just like so much to talk about i i feel maybe maybe it, in Maybe maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe at the end of the year or something we can talk about more about. It. But like, we've covered pretty much, you know, <laughs> like kind of like a basics of like you know what what makes this remake or re-release of the game like really good, really outstanding. Mm-hmm. Not every not every series can do that. Yeah. Uh, some, sometimes you have Tales of Symphonia being released for the thousandth time and still not kind of hitting that bar. <laughs> but it's it's weird but it's like you know it's it's good that they've had all out for this because it's definitely i would say one of like the most important games and they're not like kind of like old dial early 90s dialogue of rpgs our catalog so what do you want to see next josh from the i I, I already told you star ocean 3 let's go uh let's see what you Mm -hmm. can do with it (laughs) Uh, ps1 era i mean ps1 ps1 era hmm I don't know. The easy answer is like Chrono Trigger, I guess. But you know, there, there, there's also FF Final Fantasy Nine that, that I would kind of want to see what where they go with it. Oh no! Our, uh, I, I uh, actually want to see a Parasite Eve. Oh. Parasite Eve would be good. You're you're, you're right. Parasite Parasite Eve Eve One, and then like a retooled Parasite Eve Two to be more like Parasite Eve One <laughs> uh, would be great. Uh, to like kind of like uh, have having the bundle together in the same game, the the same system mm-hmm. would be. It'd be interesting to see. Honestly, if I, if I if it were up to me of like overhauling the way a game works but keeping like its core elements, like I'd probably find it be Final Fantasy VIII for me because I really like the draw junctions a lot, and I know a lot of people are kind of divided. Yeah, I, 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 I even though I don't like the game, I do want the original system because if you if you get rid of that, you kind of delete the soul from the game. I would say at least mm-hmm. that's how I look at it. But yeah, but but Parasite Eve is a, is a good. Uh, I talked you know about what? I talked about Parasite Eve last year when I played it. I think that game is yeah. like that. That game is like perfectly paced. It is an excellent, excellent game. You know, I, I would, I would want to see like a, a remake of uh, Kadelka. Actually, I know it's not from them, but Kadelka would be an interesting a remake. Oh well, Adam beat that recently. Yeah, I played that also. I yeah. played that in Parasite yeah. Eve, basically back to back. Kadelka is also a very it's a very cool game. I kind of went in knowing, okay, the battle system is apparently molasses, and it is. Um, yeah. And it feels like it's barely holding together. But if yes. they can shape that up, it's, yeah, it's very good. It's, yeah, I, 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 I really like it, despite that. It just mm-hmm. I kind of wish we had more, like, RPGs or RPG-adjacent games that are, like, more smaller scope like that, where that all the Kadalka mm-hmm. takes place in, like, one abandoned, like, castle. And yeah. that's it. Like, that's the whole story. It just takes place in this one event in this one place, and it's about 12, 15 hours long. It's not that long. <laughs> so, excellent. Mm-hmm. Vagrant story is similar. I think 
oh, Vagrant Story would be a good one too. But to, 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 to get a re-release. <laughs> Man, there's so many good ones that's like <laughs> Fuck. If Quentin was here, you'd say Xeno Gears. Yeah, that's an obvious one for sure. That that mm. I, I like I don't know I don't know how you tackle that though. There's so many things to unfurl with it. Yeah. Like do you try do you try and make this two like a game, for instance? This two is so funny. Or not I don't know if funny is the right word, but like I'm personally not a big fan of it, but I know a lot of people, and I, I totally get where they're coming from, where they're like, well, the gameplay in Xenogears isn't really excellent, so the fact that they kind of removed the gameplay in this, too, is actually a positive for me. Like, okay. <laughs> I still can't get over the jumping puzzle. Oh, yeah, I the think. jumping. Everyone loves the jumping. <laughs> Look, Josh, remember when I was talking about Arthur's last time, the Xenogears of Korea? That yeah, has yeah, jumping yeah. puzzles too. And oh, there's one excellent. part, there's like these like stairs that are like a spiral. And imagine trying to do jumping puzzles with a oh, fuck that. Yeah, I'm imagining it already. Oh, hell no. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how you would even begin to like conceptualize a remake or a re release or a remaster for Xeno Gear. There's so many things that like you could potentially do it but does there's so many of these you have to address as well and or you, just, or, you just, or, or you just say fuck it and just keep i just make like a just make it a, a faithful port with some touch-ups and then be like fuck it then that's it we're done yeah, we're done with a game, with a game like xenogears anything you change touch alter in any way is going to be like heavily heavily scrutinized the, the only thing the only thing i would i could see them like being universally praised for like for for touching up is like uh make it so like you could skip through like dialogue you don't have to wait yes. for it to finish right that's it <laughs> oh yeah uh, intro is probably the hardest thing to get through because the text is so slow oh yeah it's it's brutal it's brutal <laughs> um i was just gonna mention in, in xenogears when you jump do you ever get to like a random in that uh, encounter while you're jumping midair and then you fall off a cliff because you're not sure if you fucked up the jump or it was the random encounter that fucked up your jump. I forgot, honestly. I, I, I vaguely remember maybe that can happen in the Tower of Babel or, or whatever that tower was called. But I don't remember if that was just an excuse and I was just bad. Yeah. Was just... <laughs> it kind of blurs together. It's like, <laughs> you, you just knew in the back of your mind, it's like, there's something dog shit about this. No matter how age, well, how old you were, you're like, there's something bad about that. But I don't know exactly how to, how to, how to phrase it. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for contributing to a pretty thorough um, kind of drill down of pretty much all aspects of Star Ocean, the second story are. So, uh, a game that sounds like we're all really enjoying, or in Adam and Chow's case, had really enjoyed revisiting. Uh, we do have the review up on the site. Again, Quinton was able to actually write up the review for us. Also thought very highly of it. We also have the interview um, with the uh, developers up on the site, as well as uh, a number of guides about private actions, about pickpocketing, about how to, how to make infinite money if you do want to break the game open. Um, so we have a lot of a lot of Star Ocean Second Story R coverage up on the site, RPGsite.net. So do go ahead and check that out. That was the primary new release that we wanted to talk about this week. We have a couple games that are coming out later in November that we might touch on very briefly here because some preview embargoes have kind of come up. But, you know, we, you know how much we love previews and how they're kind of eh, it's kind of difficult to talk around. Uh, but before we get into that, there is a game that we introduced in an earlier episode of the podcast. I don't remember, uh, J- Josh, if this was early summer, or late spring. Yeah, I was like several um, months ago. <laughs> So you might need to you might need to team me up again here. Yeah. So, so so you finished Demon Roots, 
which is a new game, but at the time there was a prequel or a predecessor that you wanted to play through first. It's not really a new was... game. Like, it, 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 like its localization came out according to Steam, like like January of this year. Um, gotcha. But but the, the, it has a weird history, right? So, uh, just to, to you know, to, straight up, it, it is an RPG maker game that has uh, hentai elements uh, to it. Um, and, and then like the kind of, but the, I've heard so much praise about it from people who like, who don't really play these types of games. Like, it's like, even you can just turn it on, like all the adult scenes if you want off and so forth. But like, I just heard like very universal praise for this game. I'm like, I'm always down to like play more on un, like underrated on un, like n- not well represented or, or uh, usually under the radar RPGs. Mm-hmm. So I was, but I really wanted to get, you know, but people were like, you know, it's, it's hard to recommend because. Like the prequel game uh, to it called King Exit is no longer being sold on Steam uh, because of like uh, the, the there was like a previous publisher uh, that the developers dealt with, and then like it, it their relationship went south, and then it just was unlisted, delisted on Steam several years ago. And if, even even if you even when tracking that uh, uh, English release down, like the localization of it was just very very bad. Like it barely made sense unless like you were like you kind of had like a good sense of like you know how to how to read it pretty much uh like you can kind of get the gist of it and like kind of get most of what you need for it but it didn't it didn't read well at all pretty um so that's what i did because i'm stupid um i i tracked down uh a game because you're brave uh, yeah that's right i tracked down that game and played like that prequel game and like it was okay obviously the localization was really really not good but the overall game and like its themes like it's it it was more on the basic side it was kind of uh, obviously it was very graphic and and not, and not for pleasure's sake it was very much trying to hit home like uh, that theme of like you know no matter how bad things get get you know don't know whatever hope on you know as it, as it kind of as you kind of delve more into like kind of the the real story behind what's being presented in there and so Demon's Roots is uh, both like a prequel and a sequel to it because King, King Exit uh, is sort of like a, uh, the events of it sort of happen uh, in within Demon's Roots, but also Demon's Roots goes beyond like where that story ended. Because So, so it's not a time um, travel thing. It's just the scope of the timeline thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so when and, and, you, let me just uh, very quick aside. Yeah. I'm sorry. When, sure. Whenever someone says prequel and sequel, you know what comes to my mind? What Valkyrie Profile Two, Ooh, which does okay. like yeah. a weird timey wimey thing where yes, it's a sequel and a prequel because there's time travel. Yeah. It's just kind of goofy. That's not the case here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not for, for the most part. I'm not saying that like time travel doesn't get involved somewhere. <laughs> oh, like, there does. is time travel. Okay, there is a there, there but it, it's kind of hard to talk around. But there is somewhat time travel involved. Um, but um, the basic gist of it, and like what you know, what you were talking to earlier, Adam, about like RPGs that like there should be more RPGs that take place like in a single place. Like that was King Exit. King Exit was pretty much your uh, you you played this character named Gio Luis, and she's uh, she's been um, accused of a false uh, crime that she committed there and kind of locked up there. So the whole game is about you escaping this prison, and the end of the game is you escaping that prison but you know obviously throughout the events of the game you kind of learn like the real nature of that prison and how it like it kind of uh is connected to like the outside world and how there's a lot of but this this prison is kind of the culmination of political corruption uh in in the in that world 
Um, so literally the end of the game is you escaping that uh, prison. And so it was uh, in terms of like where you travel, it's like it's all confined within this prison. Um, Demon's Root uh, is the in the at first it takes place like many many years before the events of King Exit. Um, the the main like sort of story setup uh, uh, at first is there are two realms pretty much. There's this human realm which is um, kind of the normal outside world, and beneath it is the dark realm where demons reside. And very early on in Demon's Roots, it chronicles. Uh, the demon invasion into the human realm. They they uh, come out of the dark realm and they start uh, their world domination campaign uh, against uh, humans. And uh, your protagonist in Demon's Roots is uh, a demon named uh, Death Polka. And she looks like a human. Like She can definitely pass off as a human. She has a human appearance. Um, and But everyone else around her is pretty much is very visibly and noticeably a demon. So you're not exactly sure why she's the only one that looks like a human. This is explained very, very later on why she is, and I won't spoil that. She's half human. Uh, um, no. Okay. No, but uh, good guess. Good guess. Um, so, so the, you play as Death Polka and her, um, and you travel around the world. They're like the you know, you open up the world map and you can go visit various places to, you know, travel to conquer different ter- territory. And it's all, you know, very story-driven. Pretty, It's a pretty linear progression through, throughout the, the campaign. Um, there's optional content you can uh, delve in. But it, it is pretty much on... Um, it, at first, it, fe- it feels very tropey of like, hey, uh, maybe humans are the real demons. Because as you travel around the world, you'll see that, like, you know, in, in the human realm, uh, slavery is very prevalent. And obviously, you know, it'll have like the, it'll try to drive home that like slavery bad, but it'll go beyond that. Like at at first, you think it's like, it's very, it's very surface level, um, uh, very thin on like its themes, but it's a a very slow burn on like what what you first think is a very shallow theme and narrative and the way it's presenting it. It's like as the game unfolds, you know, there's like these one dimensional characters that like, you know, you'll, you'll see a little, shades of nuance to them but uh, they're much much deeper than they uh, let on so for example like the first um like it takes a while to get your second character like permanent character this actually is um you you visit this territory and it's um and it's very a classic um way up to portray slavery where like uh like it's a very male dominated society and like you know the the women there are treated very, very horribly, you know, as you can imagine, like in classic forms of slavery. And you meet this, um, uh, like fallen princess knight, um, who you know has is pretty much like, uh, it's pretty much your tank for the game. Uh, and you know, she's she's there uh, joining you to like, uh, trying to free her her queen from like uh, the ca- like her human captives because. Like her, her queen has been like used and abused by like you know the, the the higher ups for their own political and personal gain. Like pretty much broken, um, spiritually, physically, mentally, and like and a lot of the game once like re- like you you recapture her queen and like 
uh, as like trying to like rehabilitate her queen back to like you know kind of get us to bring back a sense of like individuality humanity uh to her and like this is all uh all all within like this political drama that uh unfolds in that like character arc alone and like try try to um instill the determination for her to keep on going despite you know her her queen like you know in this in this state like you know like the like don't lose hope that like she's like far gone you have like to keep on going to defend your queen defend your kingdom defend your honor you know like uh, take take back like you know what was like taken from you um and and as you uh, and there's like a common theme throughout the characters uh that you meet like another character you meet is Kalinka and she's from a very she's she, she's a, another form of slavery it's a gladiator um environment and and you know uh like with classic gladiator stories like you know the people that are obviously like the 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 least fortunate uh, in the societal structure are like used as gladiators for like everyone's entertainment and pleasure and she has a really uh like tragic backstory of like where she's been accused for like murdering a family a family member uh throughout it and you know that that's a very central like key arc in that of like if she if she was the perpetrator why did she do it um and then uh and then she and of course her story is about you know she doesn't want to no longer be like be a gladiator but she also wants to like to free her friends uh that that she's made uh throughout um her time there um as a gladiator so what does that mean for her character arc what does that mean in the, gre- in the greater scope of like trying to find like freedom from all of this and uh, 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 on top of all of this you're also trying to uh, death polka is also trying to find a way to like you know make demons and humans coexist they can't just be a one-sided demon slaughter humans and then there has to be like some way for these two like uh you know both demons and humans to coexist with one another because like the like you start understanding like death polka has like a very keen sense of like the cycle of violence uh cycles of violence that um are like perpetrated throughout the entire uh land that you're that you're uh, conquering so like you, you kind of observe people in dire circumstances and you see all forms of like really 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 horrible shit so like in, like different forms of slavery human trafficking corruption um and you know and how how does that how does how does this uh how do how do these like form like like the false peace that people have made for themselves like how are these lower classes like exploited and abused and and it's like it's one of those like ongoing themes that you see like in a lot of media and it's not something that's like uh like obviously original and obviously there have been um other other stories that delve into this but i think demon's roots is like one of the most most intelligent forms of like per uh, of presenting it the way that it is it, it doesn't hold back on like how brutal it can get it is if you if you if you don't use like you know a filter if you don't like turn off like you know like the the graphical scenes in it you'll just see just how that there are there's a lot of like artwork and scenes and descriptions that's just like it's like very heartbreaking of like what the like the denizens of this world uh go through just to make you know just j- just to have society uh what makes society run this world 
So, and, and, and it's a game that also is like, you think you know what's going on until it kind of flips its head on itself. So, obviously, it like, you know, demons are not just like the good guys, you know, it's, it's a very morally gray game where like demons also kind of use and abuse humans. And what does that like, what does that, you know, how could there ever be peace between these two very different forms of like living beings? When like they, they, they when they they have such when they're so entrenched like it's such a site of an ongoing seemingly endless cycle of violence and so, you know it's um mm-hmm. so what you're saying um I'm just kind of I'm speaking more broadly yeah. here yeah um I feel like it's it's interesting when games tackle things like this um there's a phrase that is often said depiction is not endorsement. Right. But I do think depiction is important sometimes, especially when you're right. trying to tackle these sorts of tough mm-hmm. like societal injustices or evil of various forms and whatnot. There are a lot of games where they might broadly mention, you know, uh, concepts of racism or or you know other basically societal injustices in you know some game world, but it's not like convincing that these are actual problems that characters are experiencing or, or actually exist in the world. So it kind of feels like almost like lip service, like almost like a, like a child's fable, like racism is bad. And, right. but it, or, or, so, or sometimes it feels like they're just saying like, well, do you feel miserable yet? Like there's not, there's no meat behind it. It's very thin. There's, they, there's no balance in terms of like having some hope balanced in to make you like, you don't want the game just to make you feel miserable without ever coming yeah, out the other end. Kind of the other or side have any of, sort of meaning behind it. Go ahead. Kind of the other side of like depiction is not endorsement. You don't. You. It's always bad. Like if you go too far, where it almost feels like a game is indulging in like, look how terrible this yeah. is. Look how awful it is. You know, it's yeah. just like you know there is a balance. But I do think that depiction is important. Um, like I said to actually have some substance versus like lip service where a character just says, you know, we need to work together. Yeah, let's work together. Or, you know, like there's, it's not that simple. So, uh, so I kind of get what you're saying in terms of like this game is brutal and has depictions, you know, that are violent and maybe even adult rated or what have you that, that feel like appropriate to you. Yeah. And and, and it's also pretty interesting because you kind of see like, you know, you you see some restructure, like for like the the consequences that you uh, that you've done in liberating some of these territories from like their most uh, immediate like problems. For so, for example, what, uh, another party member that you meet has a, a pretty interesting character design, where like there there was like human experimentation done at this um, academy called Rookluck. That was the name, and like that there the the people there are kind of split in half in a sense that like they're they're like the top half of their bodies are separated from the uh, from the lower half of their bodies via like a barrier or wall so they kind of look like uh, from the front only the half of their body is visible and the, the back of their bodies are kind of they're 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 elsewhere um but in exchange they get like you know very um potent magical skills uh because of it i forgot the exactly the in like game explanation for it because that that part was like months ago uh, before i took a break but uh, you you um after you kind of go through uh this character named sarasa her arc on uh, kind of liberating 
this academy that she's from because like the people in her academy uh don't know anything about the outside world they're kind of, all of them are indoctrinated sarasa's like the only one who's really knowledgeable about the outside world because she has a spirit that like she that she uses to kind of peer into the outside world and like gain an understanding of like how what the conditions are out there of other cultures like how you know how other people live their lives outside of this academy meanwhile the academy uh, like you know mostly all of their denizens are like indoctrinated by like the teachings there of what's good and what's bad at upholding you know really really awful uh values there and so forth so once you kind of uh liberate that territory initially uh like and you do this for for other territories as well you you come back to them uh, during certain narrative beats and you see like the the restructure of what's going on there and like and sometimes the restructure isn't you know like like in most cases like you know once you solve something and you just think it's a one and done it's it's usually not usually like the restructure process sometimes it's very friendly for violent uprising people are confused people don't know how to like proceed forward and that could lead to like you know a, a very very uh tumultuous like uh restructure process how do we restore balance and order to a society or a group of people that have never known like the outside world that have like are so indoctrinated by like the really you know uh flawed and uh uh, stilted teachings and values onto them so you come back to that you come back to this territory and like and, and people and like you know there's been uh there's uprisings uh left and right and like and kind of get sort of some of the, like um a parody of like the bancho uh uh kind of like punks uh that is depicted in japanese media uh some of them have turned into that into that some of them have like uh tried to like um are, are trying to like uh take advantage of like the the ga- uh, of like the the power vacuum that's um going on there so you kind of get into uh, like you know you you revisit places that you th- you th- you were doing things for the better but you know a- upon revisiting them sometimes like you know you you realize that like not not everything's going to be is going to be rainbows and roses after you've kind of liberated people sometimes the what what the the gap that was that was left there is still is still not necessarily fixed and that restructure process is still going to be filled with violence with hatred with sorrow and how do you how do you get people you know to to find a way forward that doesn't incorporate that but in but but also acknowledging that like okay we have to start like you know Re, like having new institutions, new education programs to kind of undo the indoctrination slowly. What these people have gone through all their lives, and that's all they've ever known. And I thought that was a there's really on, that's really interesting. That, on like the fringe for, of my brain, that the way you describe that, like it's something I played recently, where you think you leave a place in a better in better hands, and then you come back and you learn that you didn't do as good as you thought you did. It's mm-hmm. on the fringe of my brain. I can't remember what it was. It's it's kind of a archetypal story beat. That can be done either well or poorly. I'll try to think if I can if it comes to mind. Yeah. I, I think of the Simpsons episode with uh, <laughs> it wasn't as, the Simpsons. But go ahead. <laughs> Nelson versus Bart as David and Goliath, and after he kills him, it's like oh, we hate you. 
It's like the town was way better before you killed him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there would be your Dobby or Simpsons parallel if you needed one. But yes, it, it's not it's not too far off from that. And you know that, that that's not necessarily the entirety of the game, but that's a good chunk of like what you're doing throughout the game at first, and as you develop and get more you know, go through more narrative beats and learn more about, like, the backstories of some of your key, your key characters. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a pretty endearing and well-thought-out well story. And I was really, really surprised by, like, how just, like, how well-rounded uh, the cast is. Like, I really, really, in, like, liked the entire cast by the end of it. I was like, wow, this feels very fulfilling in the way they really fleshed out these characters that, like, not a lot of games, like, you know, come, like, do these days, fortunately. That's uh, that's really impressive for the game. I gotta give it its props. Like, I, it's definitely one of those games that like I can't recommend to people without like some caveats. Like, you kind of know what you ever you're going into. And I'm not saying that like you know the it's not it's not like the gameplay is like the most engaging thing ever. You kind of have your standard tank character. You have your DPS character, support characters, buffs and debuffs. It's a very, you know, it's a very standard sort of like gameplay dynamic. That's not really like that's not its strongest part. And like, it you know, seems like a Nier Automata type, where it's like, Nier Automata has good gameplay, but it's not something you haven't seen before. Its strength is in the way that it meshes its themes with the gameplay, with the story, touching on subjects that other games have maybe touched on, but without as much care, or without as much thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's what that's a game that kind of comes to mind, the way you're describing this one. Yeah. So, uh, like, like I said, I don't, I don't know how, how, how much more I can, like, really you know, talk about it without, like, you know, getting to spoilers, and also, it's just gonna be one of those difficult games to, like, describe to people, you know, if it ever comes up again, whether it's end of the year or going forward, because it's, I think it's it's a, it's a really, really impressive game that's super hard to talk about without, like, writing, like, a crazy fucking long essay that has, like, filled with spoilers of, like, what it does well. Uh, you know. <laughs> and not, not, only, not only the spoilers, but, like, kind of, like, the, what's it called? Like, the Disclaimer. Like a, not, well, disclaimer. That's it. I was yeah. like, warning labels, not quite the right connotation. Just like a disclaimer. Like, just so you know what this game is. Like, just yeah. It's just so everyone's on the same page I'm before you even discuss yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but I but I don't regret having played it. Like, I, I'm really glad mm-hmm. that I got around to uh, playing this. And I'm I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's not one of those games. It's like, oh, you have to go play this. It's like, well, you know, it's also a pretty lengthy RPG, and it, it's kind of fucked up. Okay, one of the main pet peeves I have with this game is like, there's an in-game timer, but it's accelerated. It like goes like maybe two to two point five times faster than what you what you would assume like a normal second is. So like my final in game timer for this like shows seventy seven hours uh, on the game. I'm like I'm pretty sure it's more like thirty five to forty hours. I think this in game timer has been lying to me. But maybe it's tied to frame rate and you're playing at above sixty. That's true. Maybe it's, it's you're not wrong. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's uh really something that like. You know, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad that you know I I gave it a shot and I had like that context beforehand of playing King Exit because I do think that it is a much more impactful game. Not to say that like it's mandatory, but I think a lot of it's like a certain plot elements make a lot more sense in the bigger picture when you have played that. No, I always appreciate it when. Uh, oftentimes it's Chow, but pretty occasionally it's it's um josh or sometimes adam but talking about a game that otherwise we wouldn't i wouldn't have wouldn't have been brought to my attention or been in my from my point of view so always cool to kind of get these uh a little bit more unorthodox entries and give them a kind of a a platform here to to discuss and 
kind of just bring some attention to them. Before we go into news, we did have one small section here earmarked, and I mentioned earlier about some some preview embargoes that I've released. Um, some upcoming games that are releasing this month are Super Mario RPG, the remaster of that game, Remaster. The more we talk about Remaster or Remaster, the, the less I care about the distinction. And then uh, Persona 5 Tactica. So uh, just I'll just kind of push it to the floor. Do you want to talk about these games in a preview context, or do you just kind of want to wait for their release? Might be a better idea we- to wait for uh, their release, because I did, like, I think I briefly talked about Tactica a few weeks ago. When, oh yeah, when you got to play it at the, the Tokyo yeah, Game Show, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the reason I didn't write up a preview on the site, because it's like, okay, the preview embargo lifted. I literally just wrote about this a month and a half ago. I'm not uh, writing yeah. another preview. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also why, like, uh, just full disclosure, like, I, I, I got my hands on with uh, the Like a Dragon Infant Wealth Adventure demo, with uh, the coming with the Like a Dragon guide then, but the Adventure demo portion of it is pretty much a Tokyo Game Show build, obviously, without the, the time limit. That's why I didn't write up anything on it either or earlier in the week because well, James already got it covered so it's all good and you know I, I think people will have a blast uh, checking it out when they get their hands on with it and see what, what they're in for very infinite yeah the main thing is that I just never want to like bore people like oh let's let's introduce a game once when it's playable at TGS then again when it's a preview embargo and then again when it releases in some cases uh, depending on the profile of the game or exactly the context and when the, the embargoes are laid out it's 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 valid to talk about them in a different, few different contexts, but if we're, we'll be able to talk about Super Mario RPG and Persona 5 Tactica and um, Like a Dragon Gaiden at length, at full, in a couple of weeks. So I kind of think it's best probably just to kind of just put those on, you know, they'll be in, they'll be down the road and we'll be able to talk about them when they release uh, without any caveats about drawing lines and then having to just step over those in, in not too long. So look forward to that. Uh, I think we'll be able to talk about Gaiden next week and yeah. my RPG and Tactica in two weeks. I think that's right. Okay. So with that, we'll go into the news section. As has kind of been typical for November, the news section is pretty light. The the main thing. Oh, sorry. Before I go into news, a few other things on the site that I want to do make sure that we shout out. Um, in addition to the Star Ocean, the second story, our review, we do also have a review for a. Um, Another Square Enix published title that released, and that's uh, Little Goody Two Shoes. I know Chow had mentioned that he had started this game, and we also have a review up on the site from Paul. But Chow had only gone in a couple hours, and the rest of us really haven't had time to sink into this. So I think Little Goody Two Shoes. We do have the review up on the site, so if you're interested in the title, please go to rpgsite.net and read um, read Paul's review for it. He did think pretty highly of it. Um, but hopefully we'll have another chance to kind of put that on the list. Uh, all those other games that I just mentioned with Super Mario and Gaiden, uh, little good two shoes as well. Um, before the end of November, hopefully we'll have some more people have more 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 time to to kind of get this under the radar release that seems to be also having strong word of mouth. And we'll talk about that at length. So if you're not familiar uh, with Little Goody Two Shoes, well. it's like an adventure horror game with like very light RPG simulation elements. It's got a very '90s anime ish art style. Um, with like a fairy tale aesthetic, um, you play as a. It feels like you're playing with a a VHS filter. That's how the game feels like. If you're yeah, playing. it's very classically classic aesthetic. Um, it's got like yeah. relationship system in the town. It's got like item collection mechanics. There's apparently like twelve different endings. Apparently, the main character is sort of crass. She kind of like looks like you know uh, a little 
fairy tale girl, but you know, it's kind of like a horror game. She's kind of like greedy and crass, even though her name or you know, the title is Little Goody Two Shoes. Um, there's like bad endings. I get it. It's the, uh, yeah, there, there's like a there's like a game over screen that looks like uh, let me pull it up here. She's like beheaded or something. Uh, once I get. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just game over. I, I, I just got a game over the dumbest way possible in that game. I fell oh, yeah? asleep and I died because I, nice. I ran out of food. You know, like there's a. <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what? I mean, yeah, I, I get it. You know, okay. How do you not, die from sleeping? Okay, the game over screen isn't actually like her beheaded. It's like a porcelain doll that's broken with the head is off. So yeah, sort of. Yeah, we also got like a pretty cool like mini interview with some of the developers, Astral Shift, who developed this game, and then like you know they called out like ninety shoujo series like uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, Card Captor Sakura, and Magic Knight Rearth. That's like some of the inspirations to, uh, on their art style for the game. Um, Gundam Witch from Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly, you know, but they. But uh, it's it also really cool to see that like there's some there's, there's a project that they always wanted to do, even with, even with the original twenty sixteen release. Of Pocket Mirror, it was like uh, it was planned to be a very short prequel to Pocket Mirror, but it's something that, exp- that their scope expanded for it, and they decided to just make it a full game. Um, and so it was, it was nice to see, like you know, some like like very very keen insight uh, from them, very enthusiastic about like you know what went into the production process uh, behind both this both Little Goody Two Shoes. It's linked to Pocket, Mirror, which is the, mm-hmm. their previous project. So it's uh it was really really interesting to see uh, what they had to say about it and obviously, um, Astro Fib is I think it's one of those developers that I should I think I should keep uh, a closer uh, eye on next time uh, around because they seem to like be doing like some really really cool stuff that like no, no other developer uh, has been doing especially with their visual design that's kind of really one of those things that like you know like it it feels authentic even though like obviously it's kind of early year twenty twenty three but when you look at their games. It is definitely something. It feels like it's just straight out of that era. It's like it looks like a, a show I've seen before. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I felt like Sea of Stars, where it's like I felt like I played this game before because I hit that style mm-hmm. pretty bang on. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like an imitation, yeah. even though yeah. it is. It's just a well, well, well done one. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I, very inspired. Like, like they they take their 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 inspiration their inspirations on their shoulders, and like and mm-hmm. the kind of like. Like champion them and want to be like kind of the resurgence of them, the modern resurgence. But yeah, we do have the review and the interview for Little Goody Two Shoes up on the site, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it more at length because uh, I know we have more more than one person interested in trying it out uh, before the end of the year. Also on the site, we talked about it: the preview embargo release for Super Mario RPG, uh, and Scott was able to put a little preview up on on that game as well. Uh, back to the news. Uh, the main like headline or at least event of this week, and I, I believe it's still going on technically, is BlizzCon. Now I'll just kind of be upfront. Uh, we cover Blizzard games at, at, at a, a, a small level here, but if you're looking for like Blizzard experts or experts on the sorts of things at BlizzCon, we're probably not your your go-to. But we'll talk about it in the extent that we can. Uh, it sounds like the the main kind of topical for us announcement at blizzcon was the expected announcement of a um expansion for diablo 4 and that is diablo 4 vessel of hatred just a teaser trailer at this point and uh announced for late 2024 
Adam was actually saying before we started recording the podcast that he was frustrated that we didn't get any sort of press release with any other details about like outside of what was shown on stage at BlizzCon. So we got the announcement that it exists, that it's coming next year. But other than that, it's it's, it's kind of I don't know. I I feel like announcing expansion this early for Diablo game is kind of I feels almost emblematic of this current state of like Diablo Four from its launch up until now. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it like I, I while the while the campaign of Diablo Four is okay, I went through it. The, all the seasonal content for it has been it, it's it's not a very fun game to play. I would say like not even to engage with. Like, you, you go into it with the campaign it's like it's decent for what it is but if you want like a a compelling like loot game out of it that 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 has like that has fun builds sadly not that game <laughs> compared to like previous diablo titles uh mainly diablo 2 um it's just i don't know and, and, and even all like the the little improvements they've been making along the way to make it a better experience it's still not to where it could be maybe eventually it will but I feel like this this expansion announcement it has come at very very soon after it's like the the, the launch of Diablo Four. I, I think uh, I was expecting its announcement like normally to be like next year rather than that. yeah. I remember you so were I, I, positive about the game when it first came out. Until I, I, I feel like the, the camp like the yeah. I, I mean I feel like I said I think the campaign is okay in it. It's decent, not 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 amazing. Not awful. It's decent, but like the actual, like, but usually the charm of Diablo games is like what's beyond the campaign, right? Because you want to keep mm-hmm. on playing it more and getting more powerful, and getting better loot, and you want you want to you, you you like you like that like that um that that rush of like fighting like really good items and loot for your build, and that and this game because of the way that like it's for like the the way that some like affixes are for your character like i'm not gonna get too too deep into it but it feels like like the like the available affixes are like way too way too spread out to like make anything like you know feel make it feel like you're getting anything worth um worth pursuing like for like a, a substantial power game. like like for example there's like affixes for like uh, from available affixes it's like um you know, you do more damage when an enemy is frozen. You do more damage with ice damage, and like I, I don't know why don't they just roll that? It's like one fix, for example, the, because they kind of are just kind of like the same thing, but they kind of spread that out to two. So now, because you did like the, those affixes are like spread out in between two, there's more chances of like just kind of getting like an affix combination that's kind of like worthless for the build that you're going for, and like the randomization and the effect, the pool of affixes that you get is way too spread out to have something. More coherent and substantial for your build, as like as a very very small instance of like of like a fix philosophy in a, a action RPGs, you know. So you know, just... I did actually start Diablo Four because I, I didn't want it to be a black box because I wanted to at least experience, and I put a lot of time into Diablo Two and some time in Diablo Three. So I'm kind of approaching Diablo Four, kind of. It sounds like almost be your your recommended approach. Like, see the campaign. You know, Dog Diablo three story was not good in my opinion. Diablo four story. I'm only I'm still in Act one, but it's it's enjoyable enough. I really uh I had I remember hearing about this that um Ralph Innocent, the voice of uh Lorath in the game, 
also the voice of of Sid in um 16 yeah. like oh yeah this guy I like this guy cuz he's got a good voice yeah the, the story the story nice. yeah the story is better than 3 which is you know not 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 a not a high bar at all but it's better yeah but yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm glad I've I'm putting some time into it. I'm planning to play it uh, more with my girlfriend over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I'm 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 kind of approaching it like I don't want to get on the treadmill. I just kind of want to yeah. experience the story and and uh, the, at least the 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 very fundamental part of the gameplay loop. And all you could argue gameplay doesn't start until past that point. But uh, I'm 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 going into that knowing knowingly. Yeah, uh, maybe, the, yeah, maybe 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 you know this expansion will be like what Reaper of Souls was to Diablo three, where. I remember really liking Reaper. Yeah. So it was like it. It felt like a, a correct a return to form after the, the base so game. May, so maybe it'll get there. This, mm. Who knows, really? We'll see. The other thing that was announced, uh, and I don't think any of us here have direct experience to really speak to this, but they announced both the next three expansions for World of Warcraft, as well as announcing that World of Warcraft Classic uh, will be moving to its Cataclysm phase. Like, you know, World of Warcraft wow classic cataclysm which is the third expansion uh was announced and i was kind of isn't are we kind of at the point now where people started rumbling for wow classic i think that was more from an outside perspective miss pandario than it was cataclysm but clearly wow classic is still doing well for them uh so they're moving on to cataclysm for that the 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 fact that they've announced three expansions in a row for world of warcraft they're calling this the world soul saga with the expansion the war within being announced and then also and that's expansion 10 then followed up by world of warcraft midnight and world of warcraft the last titan and when i saw the fact that they announced three expansions kind of consecutively in the same event i'm like does this mean they're doing more of the the guild wars or elder scrolls approach where these are kind of like or destiny approach where these are kind of like yearly content packs and I went to like the actual like Blizzard forums, and it seems like there's a little bit of confusion even amongst like the player base. Like, oh, are these going to be yearly? It seems like the inclination is yes, is that they're they're kind of changing what is packaged into expansion slightly so that they can deliver them as a yearly content drop. But like like I stated, we don't really have any clear press release. The closest that we have is like the roundtable like summaries up on the Blizzard newsletter site. Uh, so it's still kind of coming in exactly if these are going to be a different framework than the existing expansion or not. Uh, but they announced three, um, and can't really speak to them with any more education than that. Cause I don't think any of us here are up to date on, on world where world of Warcraft is at. Yeah. I still have a few friends who play classic and sometimes the newest thing, and I always kind of worry for them a little, but you know, they seem to be, they seem to be, you know, stable still. So I think, I think they're okay, but. <laughs> I just like man that they, they they can still do like the uh, they're, they're still hard to like you know um doing like the the raid content in it with classic and doing the weekly all the weekly stuff in it just, you know God bless them I guess you know <laughs> and, and, and clear and clearly um studios have learned that the yearly model works so I'm not I'm not I'm not admonishing that choice at all it just seems like the delivery of the information was not clear yeah um this is actually so why I hadn't covered it on the website yet. Because I was waiting for a press release that was more clear, like lay it out in terms of exactly maybe, what maybe, you've maybe announced after here. Yeah, maybe after BlizzCon is done. Yeah, it might come. On, it might come in on Monday. They do that sometimes, where it's sort of like announced over an event over the weekend, and then they, the next working day, they basically reveal it in like a formal method. Brian, mm -hmm. Brian, do you know the temperature at BlizzCon? Do you know what's a, like if there's anything 
like crazy with the crowd this year or anything, or just kind of like, yeah, it's a uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. I did not follow it. I just, I've read, I watched like synopsis or like read some uh, synopsis articles about it. Like uh, Phil Spencer was present. Cause obviously all the big Microsoft Activision Blizzard stuff of the last several months. Um, uh, apparently the word Starcraft was mentioned. I don't know in what context, but Starcraft is in the minds of Phil Spencer, at least. What does that mean? I don't know, but. I saw I someone. I saw someone joke that Phil, Spen- Phil Spencer's shirt is a clue on Microsoft's <laughs> and Activision's plans for StarCraft, and he just mm. was wearing a blank shirt. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah. Other than that, I don't like. I did not follow this. Super I also. Closely. I also <laughs> saw Jason Schreier, who was there, said like. Mentioned Diablo 2 Resurrected, big cheer. Mentioned Diablo 4, big cheer. They, he mentioned uh, Diablo Immortal, deafening silence. <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of related to me playing Diablo. Uh, so I, I started playing Diablo. This is a bit dumb, but it, it came to Steam, right, uh, in October. Uh, but you still, in the old Uplay, Ubisoft, man, they, they, don't, they don't even call it Ub, Uplay anymore, do they? Ubisoft anyways. Connect. Oh, yeah, they always change that. Anyways, to play Diablo 4 on Steam, you still need to link your Battle.net account. So how fundamentally different is it? I don't really know. Um, but like the, the, the on Battle.net, the four Diablo games, the way it orders them, I believe, is Diablo 3, Diablo 2 Resurrected, Diablo Immortal, Diablo 4. Or like the order just doesn't make sense. And I think Steam does the same thing with titles that like where they just follow it like not in order they go by subtitle or whether it's a roman numeral or a arabic numeral and it's just like uh why why can't you be in order uh but anyways i i hope diablo 2 resurrected comes to steam soon i would definitely give that a shot mm-hmm. yeah i mean I'm, I'm interested in that uh and i kind of feel like a, a complete boomer when i'm like yeah, I know that Diablo 3 also had like the the seasons um framework and all that, but I just, you know, back in the day, you didn't have all this battle pass or season pass or you know, you just it, you it's, also, it's also just it also just feels scummy to me because with all the like the past Diablo 4 scandals like the the like throughout previous months, right? Like they've been mm-hmm. controller players, you know, when they go to the menu, they're 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 the default like your mouse cursor is hovering over activate the battle pass. You know, right away. Um, so for people who mm-hmm. got like a free, a free uh, battle pass activation from buying the expensive version, it's like, oh, they just wasted it because like they they pressed X or A too fast at like accessing a menu, and like because that's just like you know, a, it was designed to, and meant to be like deliberate, mm-hmm. you know, until it was called out and they got caught for it. it well, like, I remember in in BattleNet. I don't I don't engage with BattleNet that often, but. They have tabs at the top, and one is games, and one is shop. Mm. And I assumed games were existing games, and shop was store. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite that. Games is, you click on games, and then you can do both installed games and you know games you haven't purchased yet. And shop is all microtransactions. I think they call it Diablo Platinum. Like, that's their in-game currency. So I click Boy. shop, and I'm in, like, the Diablo 4 section, and it's, like, it's and from... First, first, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that soup, but it, it was a bad first impression. I'm like Jesus, like the Diablo Four shop. There's like bundle. It's very 
free to play as for a game that's 70 bucks to buy base edition. And I'm just kind of like, like, I yeah, know, but I get, I get it. But it's, it was like, Oh, I don't, like, I, don't I, just, get it. <laughs> I, I was just trying, I was just trying to buy the game and I'm like, where's the game? I don't want to buy platinum or the horse armor. Like, like, Oh, I have to go to this tab and uh, okay. Or you press you in game and it's like all the, the bars that you're filling and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying Diablo four to end this on a positive note. I'm enjoying Diablo four more and actually quite a lot when i'm just pushing all that stuff like i'm not interfacing with that stuff because i think the more i interface with it the less i'm gonna like the game so i'm just like all right i'm just gonna be ignorance is bliss uh but i will look man i will never not shake my head when i like uh like play a 70 dollar game there's a micro microtransaction shop uh, it'll, i mm. will shake my head every single time it's like the whole like sometimes... point that you raise the price of games to 70 dollars it's like oh it's raising cost of games it's like okay uh then don't have microtransactions. You can't have both. Yeah. <sighs> so that's kind of a very high level. I know we're not going super in-depth, but a very high level of some of the headlines coming out of uh, BlizzCon. And then, of course, we once we do get some official press releases, we'll be able to actually parse you know, details, put them together, and get them up on the site. So look forward for that. Uh, we did get a trailer for a game that we hadn't seen in nearly two years, a year and a half, and that is Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. This was a side... I never want to say spin-off of Kingdom Hearts, right? Because then people say... Uh, that, How yeah, dare people you? get mad at um, us whenever we say spin-off for Kingdom Hearts. People get upset. Yeah. It every every Kingdom spin-off. Hearts game is a mainline game. You heard it here. Anyways, uh, so back when Kingdom Hearts 4, remember that, was was announced, we also got the announcement for Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. That was back in, like, April of last year, 2022. Um, And as far as I'm aware, we haven't really seen anything since. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe we got some comments on, like, social channels that I wasn't following, but no, no big trailers, no big announcements. But we did get a new trailer this week, a teaser trailer for Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, um, and then the announcement of a beta test coming up in at least some select markets. Of course, for some people, that, what market it's in doesn't matter. You can work your way around it. Uh, so I watched this trailer for, as someone that's a fringe Kingdom Hearts fan, I've enjoyed most of the games. I watched this Missing Link teaser trailer. And before we, talk, before we recorded, I was saying, like, I don't know what emotion I'm feeling when watching this trailer. And Adam's like, apathy. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Uh, I just have a hard time, like, latching to anything here. Um, Okay, so what, the, what do you think? The, I don't, I don't I, want to start this off on a sour note. What do you guys no, think? No, no. Well, tell, I want you to be honest with me. What, what, what was your, what were you thinking at that at that very moment when you're watching this trailer and you saw GPS action RPG on the screen? Oh, you're like um, Monster Hunter Now, uh, Pokemon Go. <laughs> uh, so when I first and, saw uh, did this you know trailer, that's what pop it was? Up, no, I, I actually that's that's what I'm getting to. When I first saw this trailer pop up, I knew it was a mobile game, and I was like. GPS it says GPS action RPG. I'm like, wait, did we know it was sort of like this AR Pokemon Go like? So I actually pulled up the original trailer, and the original trailer it's not obvious, but like it says in the original description of the game, this is from like a year and a half ago, um, allows players to embark on adventures from the realm of Scala Ad Calum into the real world. I might have mispronounced that location in the game, but. Um, it's like, oh, okay. So they kind of mentioned in the real world. So yeah, there was it was leaning towards this AR type game, but then now they're just like full on gold text GPS based action RPG. 
So it's that you wanted that. I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's it's also like weird because it's, it's it's like it even says in gold text also travel the world without stepping outside. It's like okay, okay, <laughs> how, how do you fucking play this game then? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I I don't know. I mean, I I kind of feel nothing in general because like the only what's the name of that game that like puts you on a random place like through Google Map and then you have to figure out where you are. I'm imagining that with like a Kingdom Hearts skin. Oh, oh, fuck! I, it's um, what was it? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I forget what yeah. it's called. I, I wanted to say Map Quest, but it's definitely not Map Quest. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's what that's what uh, old people Geoguessr. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 not that, but that's just the way it's described. Like it could be that. That might be that might be a better game. Uh, I'm sure Missing Link will have important story revelations uh-huh. in the last half so an like, hour in kingdom hearts for <laughs> this like uh pirate this sailor, sailor hat whatever dude is gonna show up and like save the day i guess i can't tell if this is like a actual character or like a stand-in for just like a player avatar i or, think or, i think it's like both. a player avatar because there's like there's a male and female version mm. yeah i remember but that like earlier previews they had like a create a character type of stuff they were showing off for, for the game um, Everyone's favorite I, moment in Kingdom Hearts 3 was in like the tornado of mobile user keyblades just came up and did something. I forget what. <laughs> yep. It's. Uh, I mean, I. Who's playing it? Who's playing Missing Link? Raise your hand. Is. I don't live in United Kingdom or Australia. I'm not allowed. I mean, when it, when it comes out, though. Oh. <laughs> I will watch, watch the cutscenes on. Oh yeah, we'll watch it. Yeah. Watch the eight-eight hour cutscene we'll, compilation. Like we'll, uh, five years from we'll now. do the Discord, watch YouTube together, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll record a podcast and we'll we'll stream it. Right, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it at the same time. We'll, we'll podcast as we're watching that. You're right. Nothing against uh, nothing against those Kingdom Hearts like fan sites or whatnot, but like I see them mention these characters from the mobile game as if like they're known commodities, and I know they are sort of, but I'm, like I still have no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so in Kingdom Hearts 4, one of our guides is going to be... I don't even remember the like the redhead girl's name who's from the mobile game. Like, who is this person? What's her name? I forget. Uh, but she's in Kingdom Hearts 4. She's from the mobile game. Sure. You know who I'm talking I'm about, right? You. I, I, I vaguely remember, actually. I need, like, see, this is why we need the guides. For people like no, me. No, 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 the other one who woke up Sora. Like, yeah, in Kingdom Hearts she's like from the yeah. mobile game, but I don't remember yeah. her name. Oh. Strelitzia. Yeah, Strelitzia. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, off the tip of my tongue. We're gonna be we're gonna be lambasted for being so Kingdom Hearts ignorant. But I, I I was eager. I watched those cutscenes. I wanted to know, but just none of it stuck. Like I just could not actually build oh, any okay. genuine. Ha, ha. Well, it it felt like I was educating were, it felt like I was educating myself for it. Because out of obligation, out of actual, like there was no real, actual, genuine interest. It's like I should do this, but I don't actually care. <laughs> did you, did, kind you of did this? You, you did this to prep for Kingdom Hearts three, right? Like, uh, kind of, yeah. Th- was it relevant at all? Like, did like did like did, did you like connect the dots like in that game? After only with it? only when Kingdom Hearts three spoiler coming up. Oops. Only when Sora died and talked to both. What nominate Strelitzia to revive himself, but at the cost of 
his having own to leave the power world. Power or eight hours. <laughs> I, thought, I, you, I thought you said at the cost of eight hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> no, at the, at, the, at the cost of him fading away at the end because that had to happen. That's so, fair. yeah. So, well, at least I knew uh, what who Strelitzio was, but yeah. Well, great. Anyways, awesome. I will play Missing Link at least you once. You will? Oh, yep. wait. Once. Okay. That's all, that's all I'm once. committing to. Did, did you beat Evercrisis? I beat Evercrisis, and I even beat the Sephiroth edition, like the first major update. Do you know Sephiroth now? And that, yes, I know Sephiroth now. Um, and you then uh, my 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 phone kept giving me notifications for like this this this. I'm like, please go away, and then I uninstalled it. So yeah, there we go. Um, I don't want but, I don't want Aerith in a Chocobo costume. I, I never I actually unlocked any costumes. <laughs> I only got weapons. So I got like the parasol from the beach event or whatever. I, I rolled enough times to get clouded samurai costume thing. And then I was like, this game's dumb and honest. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I put probably about like 15, 20 hours into it. Yeah, I think you put I more hours to do than, than I did. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. But I think this all just will just roll into someone will record what it looks like in the game. By, like when their Cerberus content comes out. And then I'll see it on YouTube, like, mm-hmm. okay, that looks cool, great. Yep, I love Dirge of Server. Everyone, everyone remembers what happened in Dirge of Server. I don't remember what happens. I mean, if you did it, then the the, the Yuffie DLC didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember the characters. <laughs> okay, that's it. so. I remember Nero and Weiss, but I don't remember like who's the short-haired, red-haired. Sephiroth is back for some know. reason. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> We're getting off topic. Anyways, uh, missing link, beta is test coming up. Show up in, in missing link. Uh, I mean, he might. There's precedent for it. So there you go. Uh, we have a new trailer for Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines Two. I did not watch this trailer. Uh, I will watch it's it. It's more of a. It's more of like just the developers sitting in a room chatting about we have our character. Oh, Jackson. I remember the headline out yeah. of this. They announced that the, the that the main protagonist will be voiced Fallout Four style. Yes, and a lot of people have some very strong opinions on that. Because, and I, I don't want to polarize it because people have different opinions up and down the spectrum. Uh, some people think you know voices are not immersive. Some people think they're more immersive. For me, for a game that I anticipate primarily plays best in first person and has only been shown in first person so far, I don't really need my character to have a voice because if I'm making a dialogue choice and I read it and then I choose what I want to say, I don't need to have a voice actor like repeat it back to me. That's kind of like my mindset, kind of like, you know, Starfield in terms of having a dialogue wheel or having a selection being made. But in a game like Mass Effect, where it's a third person, it's a little bit more cinematic in that way. You could argue less RPG. Then I'm okay having a voice. So it kind of depends. But the, the character... The protagonist in Bloodlines 2 will be voiced. And of course, it's going to be endlessly compared to the first game. Yeah. So Right. So, I mean, it's an interesting design decision. I guess that it all really depends on, like, how well the implementation works out because it's always kind of, like, it's always kind of iffy when you try to do stuff like this because, like, I I was not a big fan of how Fallout 4 did it at all. (laughs) It was Mm. very eh. I'd much rather prefer the voiceless protagonist from 3 (laughs) approach. Um, I prefer voiceless in almost all cases because, like, to me, I hear the voice in my head when I'm choosing between the options and then I select it. Especially, can you imagine if Baldur's Gate 3 had the character just say your lines? Uh, 
Uh, Remember, no. <laughs> we had a similar conversation. We were talking about Alpha Protocol last week, right? Where in that game, it's a, it approaches that a little bit differently because you only choose like aggressive or diplomatic, and then uh, and then like aggressive you don't know meeting, what the voice slam his is. head into the table. Yeah, hell yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> so, 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 may, so maybe they can do something like that. And I'm not saying exactly like that, but if it's there, there, there's ways they could work. But on its face, I think. Without knowing other details, and of course this game is still pretty far out, I still I'm, I think fall twenty twenty four seems optimistic, but we'll see. Uh, without without any other context, I prefer a voiceless protagonist. Um, but it, but a voice protagonist has been demonstrated to work in games like Mass Effect and Alpha Protocol, so I'm not against it. You know what? In response to Charles' question, uh, many 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 minutes ago, you know what? They should re-release remake Alpha protocol since we're the biggest fans of it podcast there you go i think sega still (laughs) owns it come on sega yeah come on what the fuck they they lost all their budget building super game okay maybe (laughs) maybe alpha protocol re-release is the super game by the way even even though even though hyenas was the super game and it's now canceled sega just put out a new yearly report basically saying they still want to make a super game they're still all in on the super game train if you just find your cash cow games as a service game, you just 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 I mean, will that's it an into e- that's an easy plan, right? Just just make Fortnite. Just do it. You know, just you get do it. Just, <laughs> you just get a bunch of money. It's easy. How Square Enix like described their aspirations for Ever Crisis, like. If ever crisis overperforms, it will be very helpful to our bottom line. Yeah, I like think that's a circular argument. Like, if this <laughs> yeah. game does well, it'll be successful. Like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I have a, I have a hundred Sonics drop onto Sonic Frontier Island, and then they may cure you. You know, you can have something there. Make your own sure. Fortnite. Surely, uh, games as a service isn't uh, a bubble about to burst. Surely, the fact that uh, <laughs> Fortnite has been on a slow. Uh, trend decline like uh year over year uh isn't how, a cause how, for how concern how many employees did, did epic just let go recently uh surely it's not concerning that uh bungie's uh bungie missed their revenue targets oh by 45 percent <laughs> yeah look japan is always catching the trend late okay i still like the like the visual in my head of playing like some sega crossover game and seeing like uh Michael Thornton coming out of a gotcha capsule and be like, who the hell is oh, this? <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay. You're kind of getting me excited. Don't, like, don't say that. All of our favorite <laughs> Sega characters. We got Sonic. We got Kiryu. We got Knights. We got Persona characters, Atlas characters. And like, here's Michael Thornton. Everyone's favorite. SSR Michael Thornton. No, 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 no. Oh, the best character right. is when you play the Shinobi on Sega Saturn with the real life guy, whoever that is. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> real life Shinobi. It's like a cool platform game. They like use live action scenes. Yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah. Oh god, man, th- th- okay. Don't get my hopes up, child. Because I imagine like an FMV game now, but with like Shinobi. <laughs> That'd be so sick. God damn okay, it! It's called Shinobi Legions. You guys look it up. Speaking of uh, speaking of a Sega game and shutting down. <clears throat> oh, oh, is this next one a Sega game? Uh-huh. All right. So another game uh, shutdown announcement here. And this is, I've never heard of this, 404 Game Reset. What is this? This is a game that uh, is a collaboration, collaboration between uh, Yoko Taro and Sega. 
and like the the whole like game was like uh, was like the the story around it was like a was a parody involving like like uh making uh Sega IP into anime girls so you have like an anime girl for Virtua Fighter an anime girl for um what was that um for, for what was that racing game and then for Afterburner Climax um and other classic Sega IP they'll have anime girl versions of them in this gotcha game um and you know they had that that usual Yoko Taro kind of breaking the fourth wall uh storytelling uh, on top of it whatever anyway uh the this 404 game reset uh game is getting shut down in January 2024 uh it barely came out in April 2023 so it's not going to even it's not even going to make one one year um it's just uh, it's kind of like the the second uh consecutive game uh in a week uh, where uh Yoko Taro was involved in a mobile game project and it's getting shut down. Um, it's kind of the, the the long and short of it. And th- this is kind of like a a because you know when you think of Yokotaro, you think of his uh, pro- projects at Square Enix, but this was like a collaboration with Sega uh, instead. And more and on like the Sega like... side of things, um, in terms of like Sega's mobile games, what's f- they had what Sin Chronicle Two recently that also kind of released and flopped and shut down. Is that right? Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I forget. I forget. But sort of, exactly. kind of, you know, maybe a, a, you know, an immediate response might be, "Oh, Sega's mobiles and games aren't doing well." But the thing is, is their uh, Hatsune Miku game has been doing well for a very long time. I guess they're trying to find that's a like Project Colorful stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I guess they're trying to find more success in that realm, and they haven't. So, for Sega Mobile, maybe that's why they bought turns uh, out, Rovio, right? Turns out that uh, oh yeah, we can get Angry Bird. Yeah, and, that's another uh, and our Sega characters. <laughs> oh god, you're, yeah, you're reminding me of that. Their their their, their financial. I don't know, I don't know if they showed it, but like they had like Sonic characters and Angry Birds characters side by side. Yeah, that's I, the like, cover of their integrated poses. report that I mentioned earlier. Oh god. <laughs> All of our favorite iconic Sega characters, like Michael Thornton and the, the Red Angry Bird. And Red Angry Bird. Let's go. Turns out Yoko Taro plus Anime Girls is not a guaranteed victory for success. Only sometimes. And it has to have include Nier and Automata in the name, I guess. There you go. Um... But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of just the, the the mobile market is more challenging than ever. That's kind of mm-hmm. the long and short of it. If you're, if you're just, I get, uh, the, uh, if you're like if you're not like be, being like Genshin, I guess like you know, if you're not chasing the Genshin trend, you kind of put yourself in hot water almost because I, I think that's that's what everyone's trying to do now is like chasing that three D action RPG or three D big budget three D space. If you're not fitting that that mesh or mold, um, I guess it's not. You're going against the market tra- current market trends, is what I'm guessing. Speaking of the Genshin train, have Maybe a couple of release dates in all. On, we're, but... we're going over the slides of the, we're going over the slides of P thing, and the slides of P thing was oh, interesting because because I not only did this. yeah they, they did not only did they announce like uh, like obviously new game updates and rebalancing the game and upcoming DLC, but like they like kind of like. I don't know if they ever um, mentioned this, but they just kind of like subtly like said, "Oh yeah, they're also working on a sequel." <laughs> in this director's letter. As uh, well. So according to Josh, the other Josh, apparently the game itself kind of teases 
like a universe of this sort of grimdark fairy tale world. He mentioned Dorothy from uh, um, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. So like Lies of D is coming, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking Lies of A. I want my Alice in Wonderland. I would love it if they just named it all, all like the Lies of and then letter. Even though like the Pinocchio, the Pinocchio uh, you know, analogy doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Lies of P. What would work for Alice in, or not Alice in Wonderland, uh, Wizard of Oz? I don't know. Uh, sort of Inferior. No, it has to be something of D, D and, and nothing Courage else. Courage of D. Courage of D. Oh, yeah, nobody, nobody got that joke. I missed it. Nope. Nope. Because I, because I, I, I want catchy names, not not whatever you're you're churning out. <laughs> I want no, Lies no, no, of no. D. That game is called Oz in Japan. It, it's a Konami game. It's but they renamed it to Swords of Etheria when they released it in Europe for some reason. Oh. Uh, well, but uh, yeah, you basically play cut. a main character called Feel, and his little sister Dorothy gets kidnapped. Then you recruit like uh, like the lion, the scarecrow, like all those people to to save your little sister. Oh my god, you're just making me think. What if they make their own version of uh, Stranger Paradise, but with the Wizard of Oz party? Holy shit, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fucking losing it. Like nobody heard. Game. And now I made a fool of myself talking about it. That, that 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 reminds you of like oh that, that that reminds you of like Oz like yeah that is Oz but just renamed I forgot about this game. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's what they announced on under director's letter for Lies of P was like hey game's doing well we're really really happy that it's doing well we're just gonna get uh, more updates rebalancing to kind of make the game you know somewhat less punishing. Um. Um. Um, there's a sequel, but there are, 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 I don't know if it's a direct sequel or something within this fairy Yeah, they, they called it a sequel, but it could just mean in the context, like, our next game. It, it, can, be, it can be, like, their own, like, the, remember the, the failed Dark Universe project that Hollywood tried to do with, like, Dracula and the Mummy mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff? So, they want to do this with the fairy tales and hopefully be more successful and be more cool. Now. You know what they need? They just need to hire Nicolas Cage. That's all they need. If Nicolas Cage play as a vampire of some I mean, you could play as Nicolas Cage at the, the, the something daylight, dead of daylight, day, whatever that that asymmetric multiplayer game that they showcase that some game by show. Dead by daylight, yeah, you can go play mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage there and go advertise him awkwardly to a uh, gaming focus. Be like, yeah, you can play as me. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, you rock the cage. It's somewhat in a similar-ish space. I guess there was a tease on social media from Team Ninja that there's going to be a Wolong and a Neo 2 crossover, though there's no details. Oh. They just said yeah. crossover coming, collab coming. I go, okay. That's, there's also going to be... I would have predicted that. There, there was already a Lies of P in Wolong content, but there still needs to be Wolong yep. in Lies of P. That hasn't happened yet. And it's still the funniest, like one of the funniest recent collaborations because it's so fucking out of nowhere for both of them. <laughs> and it was, it, it, it was, this was announced, this collaboration was announced too before Lies of P came out as well. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently, the only reason why it exists is because the developers at um, Round 8 Studio who did um, Lies of P were just fans of Team Ninja and they just wanted to. So, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. I like yeah. that reasoning. We wanted to. Who's going to stop us? No. One. I mean, it's, it's not like it's getting in the way of like the storylines or anything. No. It's just it's going to be like a weapon in a hat or something. You could have like Pinocchio's head as like a weapon. <laughs> Wolong. Yeah, Wolong with Pinocchio's head. Yeah. 
<laughs> as long as it's this I have version kept... of Korean Pinocchio. That. I have kept up the data on the Wolong DLC. It's it's not good. I mean, it's fine. It's it's just kind of bland. Are you played the uh, Have you checked out the Liza P content in Wolong? No. I think it's just like a sword. Oh yeah, I think I I think I got it and threw it in my stash. Like oh okay, nice. thanks <laughs> the sword. That's disrespecting the collab content, Brian. For both of the two DLCs for Wolong, I go to like the Reddit page or the Steam page, and everyone's like. The balance is all wa- uh, wonky in terms of like the, how they tune the difficulty of the bosses. So, They're like, you wanted to be harder, cool. huh? <laughs> yeah. and he keeps saying, everyone kept complaining that this game was too easy. All righty then. Uh, I struggled with the first DLC more than the second, but both of them are kind of like you have to find a gimmicky, spammy build and then just kind of get lucky. Anyways, right. getting off topic. All right. That's all the quote unquote major headlines. Uh, I kind of have a bundle of headlines here all related to Mahoyo Hoyoverse stuff. Uh, we have release dates for the next patches for both Genshin Impact and Honkai Star Rail. So uh Chow who clearly only plays one of these anymore. Uh well I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll come back for Genshin to roll for for Farina. She's the four point two character. So and she's like yeah, water right. archon with like a top hat, right? Yes, her character is hilarious. Okay, um, but yeah, there was like, uh, was it? She, she's voiced by the, uh, was it uh, Roselia from from Trails of Cold Steel, or or Shirley? If you got that far, mm-hmm. so, uh, um, that's her English voice. She's hilarious. You said you said before we started recording, this character is like like a goddess, but she's also an idiot or something like that. Yes. She, okay. She's like an idiot, but anyways, she's in an like idiot. Storyline, god, this okay. In the storyline, there's like people are suspicious. They don't think that she might be the water archon because she doesn't seem as powerful. People think that like her servant is the actual water archon because that guy seems like a god. And in gameplay wise, he's also a god, like a god. But her, she seems kind of like underwhelming compared to him. And everyone's like, is she really the water archon? That's kind of like how the story's. See, that's part of the that's part of the act. You get people let their guard down, right? I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of a fun archetype where you have like a pair of characters. I mean, it's like Vegeta Nappa, or there's other ones I'm sure where and one character is presumed to be stronger, but the actual strong character, or even like the Alphonse and um, Edward Elric. Which Uh, one's the Full Metal Alchemist? Things like that. Character appeal aside, will this character actually be good in gameplay, Chow? Um, I think the last guy already broke the game. Last guy, the her servant, like uh, Nuled, that guy completely breaks the game. Um, his whole meta is that when you activate his super, he basically shoots his giant laser for ten seconds, and every time those laser hit something, a orb will drop, and it will extend the laser for an extra two seconds. So how people okay, that sounds kill, like, <laughs> that sounds stupidly hopey. <laughs> yeah, so how people kill like all the new content is basically they grab a fidget spinner with the phone. And they would like start the hardest content, spin the phone with the fidget spinner, so that the laser is like shooting three sixty all over the place, killing everything. Uh, that sounds yeah. like a good strategy to me. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's pretty uh, creative. Yeah, that <laughs> character is completely stupidly broken. Um, like in a new patch in Genshin, there's like these open world like bosses that have like six million HP. So what people did was they gathered three other players with that character and they literally melted like the super boss within like 20 seconds because of this guy's laser 
So yeah, that guy is totally busted. Damn, that sounds like uh, fun gameplay right there. But yeah, it'll be like a struggle to kill these super bosses. But with three of those guys, they don't stand a chance. So what else is coming so, in this patch 4.2 besides this uh, highly anticipated Archon? I think because people want to find out where the story headed. Like the story ended in like this very like kind of cliffhanger thing, or it leaves oh, you a lot. Can I kind of jump in there real quick here? So this new version four added the region of Fontaine, right? Yes. And this is supposed to be like the finale of the main story of this region. That's or at, at least, least how, we will find that, out. That's, a, that's at least like, how the press release phrased it. Yeah, like I, I didn't want to spoil for the Genshin players out there because um, my my friend that's very into Genshin, my whale friend, he, he, he completely doesn't even want to watch this trailer at all because he doesn't want any of the, spoiler, the story spoiled because that's how engaged they are with this main story, right? Uh, because, th- but in the Honkai story, like, they don't mind watching the trailer for that because the story on that one comes out so slow. It's like everyone feels like it's being drip-feed on that one. It's like every patch, you get one hour story and you're done and you're like, where's the main story? So that's kind of like it at, at that moment. Now I'm, I'm imagining like a giant tank in Chow's backyard, and there's like an actual like anthropomorphic whale in there. It's Chow's whale friend. <laughs> so but, is there uh, like any uh, like besides story cut, there's like any new activities to do this new patch that you saw? Like anything anything else to mention besides like new characters and I guess a little bit of story? Um, I I'm not quite sure. I think usually they always introduce like all these mini games that they show. So. Okay. Okay. But like I don't really care about the mini games. I'm I'm here for the story. Yeah, you're here for the story. You're here for your for, for the character. Who Got is it. Charlotte? Uh, she's this girl that they show in like the original 4.0 trailer. Okay, so uh, I was looking at it. Apparently, she's also now playable. So, yeah. yeah, they they show her at the beginning. Uh, I don't think she's like the, really like the main focus. Is just like she's not a cool she's not a dumb goddess. She's just a girl. Okay. Yeah, she's just some girl that introduced <laughs> you to the region. <laughs> Got it. And that's right. coming out November 8th. And then you get to boot up the other game. And oh. Honkai Star Rail is having its next major update, 1.5, come out next the week after on November 15th. And it adds three characters, uh, Huyo, Hoyo, Hanya, and Argenti. Yeah, I'm probably Argenti is... For murdering those, sorry. But... Uh, Argenti, you just kind of like heard this guy when you played the new like mode like called the Swarm Disaster. Like that similar universe that's been on steroids, like you will find like these, uh, what is it, like these cards? Uh, or I don't know, they're called events, but they're basically you find this thing called the Knights of Beauty. And every time you find that card, it's like, oh my god, the Knights of Beauty basically saves their ass to give you like all these blessings, all these buffs. And that's kind of like where you hear of this guy. And I, I guess the way that they present this guy, like you don't know anything about him yet, but I guess he, he looks like from Saint Seiya, the Pisces, if you ever. Like watch Saint Seiya. Are you familiar with Saint Seiya? Um, I, I've seen images. I've seen of art of the characters. But I don't know which character yeah. is which. Okay, uh, Pisces is a zodiac armor, and the guy that uses it, he always has like a rose on his mouth, and they're basically their attacks like they throw roses that cuts and kill people. And if you get hit by the rose, you basically get poisoned as well. So you usually will end up dying by those guys. Um, I think I think of that Yu Yu Hakusho character with the rose. The, like the little whip, you know. You but I, I think it's like a, I think it's like a in, inspiration to them because even like at the end, like they show like a a card with that kind of artwork drawn in like a 
Saint Seiya style. So I, I think it's like it's for that. And Ho Ho is I think she's like a kind of like a ghost exorcist of some sort. I, I like there isn't like much to go off of. You have to watch like the entire uh what is it, like the one hour show to get her own backstory, which I did not see. Wait, you uh, what? You have to watch a one hour show? <laughs> Yeah, because that's where you get the backstory. If you don't want to do so, so that, you're saying you have to watch a one-hour backstory to prepare for a one-hour. No, no, patch. because uh, every time when you watch those, um, kind of like those uh, shows, like the was it? Oh, the uh, live stream events. The live stream events, like the characters will come in and they'll tell you every backstory about this character and introduce them. Because currently in the current story, you haven't meet these characters yet, so you kind of like know nothing about them. Oh, okay, got it. So, so, so that's all the most new info is like, if you watch the live stream of it. Yeah, so you watch the trailer, that's basically it. And the trailer was like, it's Gwenefen going into this ghost forest. And the first thing that came to my mind when I watched this trailer, is this Logan Paul at the Suicide Forest? Oh, <laughs> it's like, that's kind of like my impression. I know that's a terrible way of putting it, but that's kind of like how I feel watching the trailer because he's in a, a ghost forest being scared shitless or something like that. That's the 1.5 uh, Honkai trailer. Mm-hmm. And... I think the other thing they introduce is, uh, was it? I think there's an open beta for the new Senless Sen Zero game or whatever. Oh, I was going to ask about your favorite Mahoyo project. Oh, I have no interest in this game. It, it looks like I'm just playing Genshin Combat as a nonstop game, and that's it, with no exploration. In a in a modern setting, I have zero interest in this game whatsoever. How much do you want to bet that a year from now? We'll get regular updates from Chow from Zenless Zone Zero. I mean, it's going to be inevitable, right? In a, in a year from now, we have to do, instead of two Bihoyo games, or we have to do what we're doing now is three updates. So for, I'll, I'll let other Josh cover that game. He seems so, quite interested in it. So, and, and then soon enough, like five years from now, we'll have like another two Bihoyo games. So we have to do five updates for each Bihoyo game because they're all RPGs. They're taking up and, we'll, and, and, and then we'll spin off on another website. Just uh-huh. specialize in it, and Hoyo site or Hoyoverse site. Got and it. Okay. Chow, Chow will be the will be the editor in chief. Oh, congrats! Big <laughs> <Chow>. time. <laughs> yeah, big promotion. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, Mahoyo uh, resurfaces Zenless Zone Zero. It's their urban fantasy action RPG. This yeah, they it's already had a closed beta uh, before, but now they're running another closed beta called the Equalizing Test. Um, it'll be for PC and mobile. Um, they did announce. Exactly when they're gonna hold this next uh, beta test for it, um, I I remember people being lukewarm on the first beta test for this game. Like, yeah, there's something to it. We don't know exactly how the full product will shape up. So they're they're hoping this time around. I I assume they're gonna uh, address those the the feedback that they got from that first beta test and make improvements and see what feedback they get in this new. Uh, beta test. They can. There goes a new trailer. I assume they showed off. You know, I don't remember yeah. all the characters they've shown off. I assume they've shown off a mix of past characters and new characters, and that's kind. When of, I think yeah. of Zenless Zone Zero, I still think of that initial announcement trailer. That it's just like the camera swinging around all the characters as they do their abilities, like over and over. And I actually got like a little bit like motion sick just with how much movement was in that trailer. It's very stylish and well well animated, but it's a lot of movement. I don't know. Like combat is just like me doing Genshin stuff at the end, like the Spiral Abyss. It's literally you just hit the enemy, do your do your dodge, spam your ultimate attack, switch to the second character, do their ultimate attack, 
switch to the next Put your one. laser on a fidget spinner or whatever it was. Then it's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't care about that at all. Like, it's just like, I, I like the, like for Genshin, I like the explore the world and the story is also a good plus. But the combat, it's good. I definitely prefer it over Breath of the Wild, but I don't really care for it. And yeah, I mean, I, don't, uh, I just bounce off like the Hoyo games so fast that like maybe Zelda's gonna be one of those games. that's like I'll play it for like maybe a day or two and maybe probably bounce off. I, I think the uh, honestly, I think that Project Mugen game is sort of has a, a more interesting hook because of its exploration. Yeah, I'm actually more hype about that game than this Zenless. Z- Zen Zero or whatever it's called, ZZZ. I'll just call it ZZZ from now. It's, too hard yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be so easy to make fun of this game too if it's bad, right? Because of the of the acronym ZZZ. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> so, does. So you know, it's it's kind of like how uh, the the die game, the Dragon Quest die game, the Infinity Strash, how kind of it, it's its name is set up to to to, to, to for people the best names if they hate it the product okay <laughs> so i mean look we're, we're not saying that like it's gonna be bad but sometimes there are just some names that it's like it's, what it's is so it, hard not to be put in Norm- normative determinism something like that there you go full <laughs> yeah. circle oh i mean so you know if you're interested in signing up for the new closed beta for zen zone zero it's uh it's up you probably already signed up for it. Look, there's a superstore in in our place i always call it the stupid store it's the best name to call a shop that you hate well there you go yeah uh, the rest of the headlines here are upcoming uh release dates for new dlcs and new titles for coming out in 2024 i believe these are in chronological order uh we have remnant 2 which we talked about at length earlier in the year it's getting its dlc the awakened king uh in just a couple weeks or Basically, a little over one week. Uh, launching on November fourteenth. Yeah, this is uh, the first of three content updates coming to the game. It'll be uh, it'll be priced at ten bucks, though you can buy like all three for like a discount at like five bucks. You get like a discount. Um, this will mm-hmm. be you know this will uh, concern like the one true king uh, storyline. Uh, that's one of like the story uh, main story events that you can embark on in that game. So you know it's uh new dungeons, new equipment uh, and you get basically a whole bunch of new stuff to play around with in that game, so I might actually hop back in with friends and um check this out because you know we, we we all enjoyed our time with Remnant too, but uh, it's kind of one of those games like you've once you've exhausted all the content that that there's not much reason to go back, so if there's new content I'm oh, was it you that reviewed in. it or is it James that reviewed it? I reviewed it I liked it it was it was great. Jagged Alliance 3 is getting its console release uh, a few days later on November 16th. That's releasing on last and current gen Xbox and PlayStation, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Yep, uh, they showed off, you know, how the game, you know, there's a turn-based tactics game, strategy game. So they they, they give a pretty detailed breakdown of how the game plays on both uh, PlayStation and Xbox controllers, which is kind of nice for people who are just wondering, like, hey, how do I play this with a controller? Um, so it was nice of them to do that. They also clarified that like the multiplayer function is not not cross play between systems; it's cross gen between the same economy. So PlayStation players can play together, and Xbox players can play together, but not in between PlayStation and Xbox. Um, so you know that's that's kind of the norm uh, these days. 
So, uh, you know, for people who are uh, holding off for uh, on Jagged Alliance 3, um, check it out. Uh, Adam enjoyed his time with it when he reviewed it earlier this year. And we're getting another console port for a PC game that released earlier this year. Uh, Shuan Yan Sword, uh, Miss Beyond the Mountains, which released on PC this summer, is releasing on Nintendo Switch on December 8th. We have the another Switch port. Uh, Kuro no Kaseki is getting a Falcom-developed Switch port that is releasing on February 15th next year. This one was mildly interesting. We knew it was coming because when NIS America announced the localization, they announced a Switch version, which was new at the time. So it's like, okay, here's when the Switch version is releasing in Japan, and then we'll get the localized version for PC, PlayStation, and Switch later in the year. Uh, yeah. uh, but this uh, is, so, is Falcon so developed, right? Yeah, yeah is sure. this a Falcom developed port or it, is it an NIS developed it, port? Yeah, it could be NIS backported or back back. Sent. Or it could be because they've done that before. I mean, not I, just with like, uh, not just even with like, um, you know, uh, oh, what's his name, Durante ports, but sometimes just like the engine software ports that they do, or whoever else does switch ports, they end up being kind of handled by NIS America, and then Nippon or then a uh, Falcom releases that in Japan later. We don't know I'm, for sure. I'm trying to find some information through the web page for it. It doesn't say anything. I'm looking for the... Uh, I wonder if it's one of those releases that people will figure it out when it launches and they get it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but that, that is an interesting question. Like, wow, well, exactly who is behind this port? Because NAS America has done some of their own switch ports they've had durante do a couple engine software's done a couple and they've uh, probably other porting houses i don't know the name of but it's kind of a grab bag of who actually does it plus falcom themselves done a few of course so yeah i mean they've obviously like uh, done a very capable switch port of east 10 so Mm -hmm. it's very possible that this uh, new port is also them which to me would make sense. Like I was saying back like around this time last year that I expected them to port Kuro 1 and 2 to Switch eventually because if they're going to want Kuro 3 to be on Switch. And I feel and, like this is just uh, like the obvious next step. And they even said so. that they're going to release like a bunch of new Switch games. I think they said they're going to have like three in a year or something. And that ended up being like... uh Oath and Felgana, Tokyo Xanadu, and whatever else. Um, East 10, yeah. Plus uh, Boundless Trails, whatever that was called in Japan. That was a few years ago. Ad Astra, is that what it was? Something? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, there's actually some screenshots on uh, Falcom's uh, store page for the Switch version. Oh, okay. Very clearly actually Switch screens- uh, screenshots. Uh, it looks worse than the PS4 version, but still perfectly good. So that's neat. And of course, the Western release, if you don't remember, was announced. Oh, wait a second. This is interesting. You know, you guys know that like a theory that's been going around about the Switch 2 and like colored buttons. Yeah, no, actually, this these screenshots have colored buttons. Wait, what? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, they do. Like I'll put it in the chat. 
while we're talking. Yeah, I, I, this, this I, definitely plays. This definitely plays on an audio podcast okay. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so, as so, far as I'm aware, the rumor is is that some sort of new version of the Switch has colored face buttons compared to the old version of the Switch, which doesn't, and it shows up in like screen sometimes. So okay, like this. Yeah. Like a, a red A button and a yellow B button. And a. Green, that doesn't white, match Xbox colors, does it? No, because on Xbox, no, no, A that, is green, B is red. The rumor is, is it's going to match up with the Super Famicom buttons. And yeah, that would work out. I'm looking at my new 3DS, which has the same color like uh, buttons. Mm-hmm. A is red, uh, B is yellow, Y is green, which matches up. I, okay, so I wasn't going to say anything about it, but like one of my theories was, mm-hmm. is that perhaps uh, Falcom might try and have Crow 4 be like a launch on the switch too. And if these colored buttons are a thing on this, like curl one switch port, that might be, that might actually be some sort of, I wouldn't say evidence, but something to suggest that maybe, maybe my thought process isn't completely out there. And just to reiterate those colors on the screenshot that we're looking at right now, that all of our listeners cannot see, they they're not Xbox colors. Xbox is different. It's the same letters, but Xbox yeah, is yeah. Colors. yeah, yeah. But it's like there has been that rumor where people have been like, oh, maybe because like there's been multiple games I've had this now, and now Kuro Okiseki has it. So it's like I've heard of the conspiracy theories on this podcast. <laughs> Interesting, though. That is, that is a funny fight. Like that was Super Mario Wonder in the data mine. They said that was a that was a troll and saying there was no such data or something. Like that. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if, for those that might have forgotten, I needed a reminder. When Nice America uh, announced the official Western localization Trails Through Daybreak, it's coming out summer 2024 on Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC. Yes, and the Switch version was newly announced at that time. Mm-hmm. And, now we're lear- and now we're learning that the that Japanese Switch version will precede it right. um, coming out in uh, a few months earlier. And then, well, on the similar vein, we have a, a port for PlayStation 5 for Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4. We'll also launch in February, on February 16th. Uh, great. Pretty straightforward there. Yeah. So the, the, these are just like you're the, the typical Nice America, you know, they're, they're just porting their games to PS5. PS5. Yep. So, yeah, sure. Uh, why not? And that that's all the that's all the release dates and that's all the the headlines. So I think it's time to start wrapping this up. Yeah, I'm looking at like next week's releases. Let's see what we got for next week. We have um oh yeah, the, the just a little minor thing, but they they ported little that uh, that side games game Little Noah to Xbox consoles mm-hmm. earlier this week. Uh, but the but the big release seems to be the. The like a dragon guy den, the man who erased his name. The Tales of Arise DLC that I almost forgot about. Oh god. Yeah. Beyond the Dawn. I guess we can talk about that next week. <laughs> that didn't beat the game to get access to to the DLC. I I, I forget if they said we'll learn I don't next think week. So. I don't I don't I, I think you need to own the base game, but they never said anything about beating the game. I think they mentioned there's a mm-hmm. bonus if you have a clear data, but I don't think you need it. Yeah. So we'll see how that shapes up. I'll have more to say about like like a dragon guy den. Next time, and I think that's really the only noteworthy. Yeah, it's 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 the week after where we have um, Persona Five Tactica and Super Mario RPG, and Astalibur revision on Switch. 
Hell yeah. Who's reviewing it for us? You you are. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Okay, call in. We'll get we'll we'll, we'll, we'll rope him in. Let's control 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 C control V. There you go. There you go. I'll do that. So. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, of course, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the TetraCast. Uh, do one last shout out to the Star Ocean review, the Star Ocean interview. The guides are all up on the site at RPGSite.net. Also, all the release um, features, review, and interview for Little Goody Two Shoes. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk about that one on the next episode or so of the podcast as well. And then, of course, the preview for Super Mario RPG, which we'll also get a full follow-up review on that in just a couple weeks. Um, all the news... With everything except the the, uh, the BlizzCon stuff, because we don't have press releases, but hopefully as that trickles in, we'll get those news posts detailed and up on the site as well. You can find RPG site on all the social media platforms. Just search for RPG site on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and you should be able to find us. You can join the Discord by going to discord.gg slash RPG site or hitting the link at the top of the homepage. If you find any of the guides useful, go ahead and give those uh, comments at the bottom of the discus section. Uh, we'd like to see those. Make sure we fix any uh, errors or clarify any confusing statements. We'd like to see those. And then if you have any comments or feedback on the review on the podcast or the reviews, uh, go ahead and leave some thumbs up or comments on those as well. We always like to see the feedback, even if we're doing things poorly. You can, just, you can also just say anyway. thanks. Th- thanks for the guide. It was helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd there you great. go. Well, uh, I was following Chow's guide and I, I fixed a few things as I was going through it and there's a few typos. It's intimidation, uh, the, uh, not imitation. <laughs> Or imitation, yeah. not intimidation. <laughs> okay, you, you know, in case if someone steals my guide, I know they stole yeah, it. From this, it was a plant <laughs> of t- typo for guide copiers. Look, Alex does that. Oh. I, I fucking know Alex does that. <laughs> no, but being serious, the private action guide has been a godsend, and it's really neat. And the way you framed it is really well done. So give it. If you're playing second story yeah. R, uh, go ahead and pull those up. There, there are a lot of work. I, I love all the little graphic assets that you guys use for them. That's so neat mm-hmm. and colorful. It was me. I was using it. it was like, I, I keep asking, like, can I do this? Can I do that? And everyone's like, uh, maybe? I don't know. Just say, yeah. The, the next time, no answer is to say, I don't, yeah. I yeah, don't think this guy will break if you do that. There you go. I mean, if it breaks, you know, we'll just go, <laughs> Mike, I did a bad. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. And we'll talk to y'all later. We love Michael Thornton.